Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The number of the day. Really hops and kicks. The number of the day is six. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Kerry Davis and Brooke Grimsley of Channel 4. In for this week, I'm Randy Carricker. Good morning, CD. How was your weekend? It was good. Good morning. Good to be back. It is good to be here, and we, we missed you on Friday. Brooke, it's always good to see you. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing good. I have the coffee, the hot coffee ready to go, Uh-huh. bright and early this morning. Look, I, I usually don't get up this early, but for you guys, 100% ready to go, excited for today. You're the queen. And by the way, Carrie and Matthew will both tell you, look at look at Brooke's cup, her coffee cup. Am I proud of Brooke Grimsley or what? Yes. Are, why? Are you big on the run? I'm an on the run guy. On the run. Totally. <laughs> we we love on the run on this show. I mean, yeah. first of all, anybody who puts, anybody who sells me soda in denominations of 44 ounces, I'm a big fan of personally. Just They have my heart in the first place, but they're also a sponsor yeah. on this show, so we love them. Yeah. Nice. Well, I mean, they make it easy, of course, mm-hmm. you know, not to, you know, do too much free advertisement here, but they did make it easy for well, me this morning. Us. And it was yeah. quick. Yeah. So that was great. They're great. In and out. Here's what we got coming up for you this morning. We're going to talk to Chris Kerber, voice of the blues, who have one six in a row. The number of the day really hops and kicks. The number of the day is six. So they have one six in a row. They take on Anaheim again tonight at Enterprise Center. We're going to talk to Dave Spence from the RSA, the uh, the entity that runs the dome at America Center. The Rams money has finally been invested. We're going to find out about that from Dave Spence, Pro Football Hall of Famer. Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, St. Louis Sports Hall of Famer, College Football Hall of Famer, Pro Football Hall of Famer again for broadcasting. Dan Deardorff will join us. Michigan Hall of Famer, too. He's got to be in like eight different Halls of Fame. He's got to be in his high school Hall of Fame. So that'd be seven. Oh, I think definitely. Be, I think that'd be seven yeah, off right. the ones you'd list. Yeah, he's There's got to be an eighth one somewhere. So, Double D's got Michigan and Ohio State coming up this weekend. And, he's, and he had Michigan and o- Illinois this past weekend. <laughs> I ask him about that. It's, yeah. My heart is breaking, Randy. Yeah, I know. Uh, just it's breaking. Like, I, I, not that I, I, I told you all. I, this is the relationship that that I have with Illinois. So it's not that it's that, you know, surprising. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt every time. <laughs> I know how it is. At I, least, at least it was close this weekend. Does yeah, that, that make you that, feel a no, little bit better? No. no. Oh, okay. All right. That makes it worse. That means we were right there. We had every opportunity to win the game, and you play to win the game. That, that's the only reason. You don't play for any other reason. So no. And then. Danny Mack will join us to talk some Cardinal at the conclusion of the show. The Blues play 
the Anaheim Ducks again tonight at Enterprise Center, 6 o'clock pregame with Alex Ferrario and Joey V. The faceoff at 7, the Blues with a win on Saturday night in Game 1 of this series. Nola Chari scoring first for the Blues, Pavel Buchnevich scoring second, and then Buchnevich again. Down low, in front, Buchnevich shoots, score! They let him walk to the front of the net, and he goes backhand under the bar. Pavel Buchnevich, second of the game, 18.58 to go, second period, 3-0 St. Louis. Braden Shen would make it 4-0 before Anaheim would score. The Blues would roll to a 6-2 victory. And right now, Brooke, CD, if the playoffs started, and I know it's only November 21st, it's Thanksgiving week, but if the playoffs started today, the Blues would be in the playoffs, which is amazing when you consider where they were two weeks ago. Well, yeah, the fact that you're able to say that right now, I think, says a lot about what the Blues have been able to accomplish here. And can we just talk about Pavel Buchnevich and how just clutch and just fantastic he was, you know, this past weekend? I mean, the fact that, too, that that line was able to be so successful without Vladimir Tarasenko there just shows how much Robert Thomas and Buchnevich have really built their chemistry together over the last year. Randy would love to talk about Pavel Buchnevich because that's who he picked to win <laughs> oh, MVP for the Blues this I season. To score, to be the, the the team leader in goal scores. So yes, he would love to speak about it. But you know, I, I agree. They they are playing. It's been a it's been a year of streaks. I mean, you go you win three, you lose eight, you win six. Now it, it is it is interesting to see you know how this continues to go about. They're playing well, and and you said something in the in the break before we got on. This team goes as O'Reilly goes, and it, it seems to be that way. When he's playing well, they're playing well. When he's not, they're struggling. So you know, hopefully, he can continue to play very well. And the Blues getting obviously great work out of both goalies. So that was a great one for the Blues on Saturday, and hopefully, they'll be able to keep it going tonight against Anaheim. Meanwhile, college football over the weekend, Mizzou, as you might expect, rolls New Mexico State forty-five to fourteen. You better win that game big. And as we mentioned, uh, CD's fighting Illini. They were in it to the end, and Michigan gets a last-second field goal. Number three, Michigan knocks off the fighting Illini in 1917. There were a couple of calls or non-calls in that game that I would like to discuss. One being uh, the the quarterback with his knee on the ground as he's picking up the ball Mm -hmm. to make a big play on third. I think it was third down. Uh, And then there was a pick play, fourth quarter, fourth down, where the receiver, the running back, caught a ball in the flat that allowed them to go kick the field goal. Not saying, I'm just saying, you know, yeah. things happen. When you are an Illini team, you gotta you gotta win every game and you gotta fight through. Bielema said at the halftime, mm-hmm. we're fighting 110,000 plus a few more, and right. he was he meant what he said at that time. We're we're fighting through these fans, but also it's a, it's about eight or ten guys on the field that that have a uh, black and white shirts on that we're, we team, seem to be fighting against as well. So I've always thought that. If you're the Big Ten Conference, for example, if you're Kevin Warren, you tell your director of officiating, okay, when we're the big game on ABC, when when we are the prime game, put our best officiating yes. crew there. Make it so that the most people are seeing our best officiating. And I don't know if that was their best group or not. But then just rank it by TV viewership. Yeah. Because you don't want to expose bad officiating, which I think did get exposed for the Big Ten it was, on Saturday. It was some calls there that were that were missed and that were pretty terrible. Well, and 
Outside of that, though, as you mentioned, either way, they should have won it. It was yeah. a close game. I feel like Illinois' story this season is just so fascinating because they were so good, so hot, and then all of a sudden have just dropped off, losing games that they should have won. Yeah. What do you kind of see is happening there? Obviously, Chase Brown is super talented, even was talked about with Heisman yeah. conversations. I, I just don't understand what happened with them recently. Uh, the Michigan State loss was a terrible loss. There's no excuse for that. The Purdue loss was another terrible loss. This game versus Michigan, you felt like you had an opportunity. You going into Michigan, they probably were looking ahead to Ohio State for next week. So it was it was a perfect opportunity to win. Um, the even though the bad calls happened, the Illini still had the ball up with an opportunity to get a couple of first downs to win that game, and were unable to get those first downs. So. You don't win the game because you don't take care of your business, and that's what's been happening with them You know, pretty much these last three games. They haven't been taking care of their business. Other teams have, and they've been, they've been losing games because of it. College basketball, the College Hall of Fame Invitational, slew split a pair, falling to Maryland on Saturday, 95-67. And then yesterday, Uri Collins with a three-pointer to put slew ahead for good with 21 seconds left. They knocked off Providence 76-73. The Billikens now 4-1 and one on the season. They finished on a 7-0 run yesterday to knock off Providence. Mizzou, a winner last night over Mississippi Valley State, 83-62. to And Virginia handed Illinois their first loss of the year, 70-61. to Tough loss from Illinois, but I do want to give a shout-out to Virginia with all of the things that they've gone through uh, this past week. A couple of football players getting killed. Um, and and for their basketball team, I know they canceled the football game. They've been they've been just kind of going through some, through some things. And so, you know, shout-out to those guys. They're on our hearts and minds because that's a tough thing to deal with. When you're a football player, you're really close with the basketball team and vice versa. So I'm sure those basketball kids were, were dealing with a lot this weekend. And I just can't imagine being a student, being – 18, 19, 20, 21 years old and having that happen on yeah. my campus and just yeah. walking yeah. back and trying to go back to a normal life. It's, it, it's, and we saw the thing with the high school here in St. Louis. It seems like it would be extraordinarily difficult to block that out. Well, and also speaking of which, you, you bring up the high school here in St. Louis. The Blues are actually honoring that high school tonight at their game. So that's really special to see mm-hmm. how involved the Blues are in the community. But also just going back to basketball, you have to give a shout out to Yuri Collins and what he's been able to do for the Billikens. Once again, they're continuing to prove that he is one of the best point guards in the country. 21 points for him. Also 600 career assists for him. He hit that mark. He is the real deal. And just seeing the end there in that 7-0 run, his patience and just knowing when to strike, he's really good. I don't know that we've had a guy for St. Louis, St. Louis University, H. Waldman, I guess you have to go way back, that had the sort of court vision that Yuri has. Yuri's seeing everything. And when we had Travis Ford on right before the season started, we asked about putting out a lineup, and he will at some point, put a lineup out there that has... Giovanni Perkins and big game Gibby Jim Gibson Jimmerman uh, Gibson Jimmerman. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, look, I get mixed up yeah. all the time because it's hard Jimerson. to say. <laughs> yeah, it is. Somewhere, Danny Mac saying "ha ha." He serious. And then uh, sincere Parker. If you get those three sharpshooters out on the court at the same time, and like Travis said, hey, 
probably aren't going to play a lot of defense, but boy, could they fire up some threes with the dish coming from Yuri. Yeah, when I watched him play a couple of weeks ago, it was just fun to see him. He, he is he is so patient on the court. He does not mm-hmm. get sped up. He does not allow you know the defense to make him or force him to do something that he does not want to do. He's just very under control, very very calm on the court, and understands where everyone is mm-hmm. and what the best. You know, you can be a good point guard, but not be able to get guys the ball in where they need it. He seems to be able to get yeah. guys the ball where and when they need it to make the best out of them. The Memphis, I'm mean, not the Memphis game. Excuse me. Sorry, their, their loss on Saturday to Maryland was so frustrating just because there were so many turnovers. And, and I tweeted out, too, I said there are so many bad turnovers right now from Yuri that are so shocking because every time he, the ball leaves his hands, you expect it to find a Billiken, mm-hmm. usually yeah. in a good scoring position. And that's usually the case. And so that was the disappointing part about that down game against Maryland, but obviously to come back and have that game against Providence, you love that bounce back mentality. Listen, they weren't going to go undefeated this season, and so they're going to have to bounce back from some bad games sometimes. To have that literally overnight, that's a good sign. All right, Brooke, you into the World Cup? Uh, yeah, okay. a little bit. Matthew's little into bit. the World Cup. I'm, I'm like you. I, a yeah, little bit. Yeah. I, look, the St. Saint, the Louis connections, of course, great. a great story there. So I'm I'll 100% for that. into the soccer part. So England <laughs> and Iran are underway. <laughs> Earmuffs, eighth minute, no score. Shocker there. Okay, take the earmuffs off. <laughs> Bet the under. Matthew's into this. We play Wales today. Yes. Can Wales kick a soccer ball? Yes, of course. The, uh, one, of the, one of the best <laughs> players not, in the not world. Those Wales, Randy. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Randy. I don't. <laughs> See, the problem is, this is one thing where I'm just like, yeah, I don't get this joke because I think about whales only as the country because I'm a, I'm a nerd like not, that. Not those whales. Yeah, not those whales. Those, those whales are in no We should be able to beat them, you think. You, you think, think so. Think. I mean, just hey, finally two to athletes. Josh Sargent, Josh Sargent, you know, Fountain, Missouri doesn't turn, doesn't turn out nobody's. Come on now. Doesn't this, like, give England two teams? Isn't this like us sending California? Well, England has, England has four teams. That's unbelievable. It's not fair, is it? No, it we doesn't sh- seem fair. We should just get to send California. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah they, they, they have four teams. Yeah. Yeah. Four I'm sure teams. they'll do great. <laughs> Our USA team? Oh, well, I'm saying if you had to split England up, yeah, I'm yeah. sure that it would go over swimmingly. Yeah. This is like when Iceland did really good one year and everyone's like, it's the size of Connecticut. And it's like, don't, you're making this feel worse. Cutter <laughs> already took it on the chin, right? Yeah, they lost to Ecuador. Sad. And they and that was even after like a third minute, uh, very contested offsides call where they drew the line and they were like, it seems like there's some early yeah, home okay. cooking. All the Cutter fans can just drown their sorrows in their beer. Uh, oh no, they can't. Can. Well, if not, maybe you can you know meet a, meet a new person and nope. Oh no, no, they can't do that either. It's rough. It's rough. So the World Cup is underway, and we'll keep you up to date on England and Iran. They're in uh, still in the eighth minute. Come on now, that's a long minute. <laughs> Historically, uh, England struck pretty quick against Iran. (laughs) (laughs) We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, two things we each loved about the weekend. It's coming your way on the opening drive. Brooke, CD, Randy on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Kerr, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And usually we do three things we loved about the weekend, and we have 
a total of six. We have three people, so we're going to do two things we loved about the weekend, and we'll still have a total of six. That's, That's the Lindenwood math. <laughs> Linden math. You betcha. <laughs> all right, Brooke, what do you got? Well, Number two. As you guys know, I, I work all weekend, so uh, not too many exciting things going on, <laughs> but I would say one of the highlights of my weekend, non-sports related, would be taking my dog, Stevie Nicks, to Barquet. If name. anybody's been, yes, Stevie fantastic Nicks to Barquet, name. I mean, this is perfect. What? Yes, and <laughs> she is just like her namesake. She has a little wild side, you know, she's a free spirit, and so she just absolutely loves Barquet. And she had the time of her life just playing, and she had her little hoodie on and was <laughs> just absolutely loving it. And then the best part with any every dog owner knows this is that she was completely pooped the rest of the day. So there was no running around, all that kind of stuff. She was nice and cuddly. So it was it was really sweet to see. Uh, by the way, at uh, your home stadium, did you see this next summer? Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks at Nissan Stadium. Oh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would love to see her in person. And and you know what? Also, I don't know if this is a generational thing too. Um, I'm not going to say who it is or how I know him, but I ran across a young fellow and I told him my dog's name was Stevie Nicks. He had no idea who Stevie oh, Nicks wow. was. <laughs> and I was absolutely flabbergasted. Sorry, that young fellow's person was named Tanner. He's no. A, he's a It's like the... The beer commercial where the the guy asked Joe Montana, "You play tennis?" Yeah, Joe Montana. Yeah, kid. <laughs> yeah, kid. yeah, something like that. Uh, for me, well, this is not last weekend. It was this past weekend, but it happened uh, on election day, and I, I didn't mean to, I didn't get to, get to bring it up. Proposition H was passed for the Hazelwood School District, which is going to allow us to get new fields, new turf, new lights. Um, a lot of upgrades in, in, in athletics, which are long overdue, Randy. I graduated from Hazel Central in 1999, and we are still using some of the same uh, equipment and, and, and field, and, and all of those things are still the same. So, you know, for the Hazelwood School District to have that for the for the for the community to vote and pass that proposition was amazing. So that was my that was my thing. I, just to be able to have the, the 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 pictures and the and the idea of what's going to take place here upcoming this upcoming summer is going to be exciting for our school district. And how much does that just boost the morale of the students? I mean, what is the reaction from them? It is it is amazing. I mean, you get that that's part of the reason why I believe that that the um the the attendance is down or the the enrollment is down in Hazelwood School because of because of athletics. I know a lot of people will say, "Well, you know, what what about the 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 academics part of it? We've been doing the academics part for 40 years. We have not done any upgrades. I mean, if you see our locker room, it's falling apart. Like we have lockers that have been there I think 10, 12 years prior to when I got there. They may be the original lockers that were in Hazelwood when Hazelwood was built. So to get this um, this this proposition passed and to get this money coming in is going to be an awesome thing for the students, student athletes, for the entire community. Guys, speaking of the community, anybody who knows me well knows that one of my best friends is Demetrius Johnson. And this weekend, his foundation had their annual Thanksgiving meal giveaway to nearly 3,500 underprivileged families in the St. Louis area. And I'm so honored every year to join DJ and go out to the Peabody Housing Projects and the surrounding projects and deliver Thanksgiving turkeys. And uh, Desiree Reed Francois came out this weekend. I had a chance to meet uh, 
the the former senatorial candidate uh, Trudy Bush Valentine, uh, so many people that were there. Wesley Bell, the prosecutor of St. Louis County, and so many people doing so many good things for our community. And Carrie, I know you're going to be out with NFL alumni tomorrow. It's just so cool to see people that have such great hearts doing things for people that otherwise wouldn't have those advantages. And just kudos, first of all, to my buddy Demetrius Johnson and everybody who's doing what they can to help underprivileged people in our area. Indeed. I mean, just to be able, like you said, to be able to give back to people that don't have the means or the resources is always a blessing and it's always a great thing to be able to do. And, you know, kudos to you and Demetrius for doing that. Thank you. Number one. Well, I would say my number one thing, because as I mentioned, I was I was working, so lots of watching games and stuff. I thought this was so cool that the Blues did this. It was their first ever mom's trip. So it started with that avalanche game. Of course, the guys had that huge, uh, well, no, it was the, was it the Golden Knights game? Sorry, yep. it started with the Golden Knights, and the Blues had that huge win, and then they went on to beat the avalanche, and then they went to Chicago. Mm-hmm. And that mom's trip to me was just so cool. One, Bally Sports Midwest did a great job of really showing like the moms cheering whenever their son scored. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you had moms like Ivan Barbashev, his mom, he hasn't seen her in two years. And he said how much that meant to him to be able to see her Mm -hmm. and that she was able to see a game, what he gets to do. And I feel like we all know how big moms are you know, to actually get their sons to that point. They're the ones who, like, are taking them to practice a lot of the times. They're the ones that are packing their lunches, everything like that. They're number one supporters. And for the Blues to do that, their first ever mom's trip, I thought was so cool. You could tell the moms and the sons loved it. Well, I, I, I definitely do know how much moms mean. And because I, I was telling Kerber, you know, I'm a mama's boy. I wanted to know which one of the guys was the biggest mama's boy because <laughs> that to me, it just it just speaks volumes to how much they they how hard they work, how much they put into these young men in order to become grown men. And it's a it's an amazing thing. Guys, my number one. Y'all know I'm snarky, right? I'm, I'm a, I can be a snarky guy at times. A little bit. So, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. I think the nice, like, if that's you being snarky, it's like the well, nicest that's, snarky. That's, that's, that's it, it is. snarky, but I think 99% of St. Louis will agree with me. Uh, back in 2016, in the spring of 2016, uh, Kevin Demoff had a meeting with his former classmates and rich people at Harvard Westlake High School after the Rams had moved. And he gave a long speech. And in part of that speech, he said, last November, fortunately or unfortunately, the team lost four in a row, and that allowed me to focus more on getting the team moved. Well, fortunately... The Los Angeles Rams have lost four in a row. Oh, <laughs> yes. Kevin, Time we, to feel, move again. We, we feel for you, buddy. <laughs> Fortunately, Definitely. it happened. And you know what? It's not stopping there. It is what it is. Randy, my number one thing, it's not from the weekend. It's actually from today. It is my daughter's 20th birthday. Oh, uh, nice. Michaela, happy birthday. I know she's probably asleep. She's a college student, so she doesn't get up early in the morning unless she's she's off. Uh, so she's, she's not up, but... Happy birthday! Is she already home from? Yeah, she she came home last night, so I know she's I know she's She's still asleep. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah, happy birthday to Michaela! That's awesome. Twenty years old. You you got to be proud of having that Mizzou student. Uh, Yeah, Uh, you know. (laughs) I mean, Mizzou gets, you know, gets bye weeks in week 12. You know, it's cool. You get to play New Mexico State. Yeah. Everyone else there. in the country plays their conference all season after the first few, after the first three weeks. But, you know. Oh, you don't think SEC, they're going to go bowling? SEC allows them to get a bye week there, you know, during the middle of the season. Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. Not bad. 
Goodbye, Sabin. By the way, one thing I learned the other day <laughs> from Desiree Reed Francois, because as we've watched Mizzou basketball for years, we see a lot of yellow seats in Mizzou Arena, right? Because people aren't showing up early on. Granted, it is early on, but these are teams that really people don't go to see. Basketball attendance for Missouri up 36%. And she's doing a great job of getting people in the building. Wow. Uh, the fact that they're playing KU and one of the cool things is smart. So when kids go to games, they get points towards tickets to the KU game. Wow. So the kids are going because they're competing mm. with each other so that they can get more points than the other kids to get to the KU Very game. Very intelligent. Oh, yeah. I see. I see. Or you could just offer a lot of free food. I think a lot of college students would like that. that. Yep. That helps. You can never go wrong with free food. Free anything. Yeah. I mean, you, you should see how people right. knock each over each other over for these t-shirts oh, that they yeah. shoot in the into the stands. Like it's <laughs> yeah. it's absolutely amazing. The shirt is probably a medium or or a large. Most people, <laughs> I, I can't fit it. But yeah, you know, it's it's amazing to see what people do when they get a free t-shirt coming their way. That's what we loved about the weekend. Coming up, speaking of Mizzou and Illinois, can this year's bragging rights game be great again? We're gonna have that for you next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, before we get to college basketball, Qatar or Cutter? 65780, what do you guys think? I think it's Cutter. Qatar? Wait, now you... Q-A-T-A-R. I always thought it was Cutter. It's... Qatar, 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 if you want to have a little bit Qatar, of that accent to it. Okay. That's, that's what uh, we've been told. One of the one of our co-workers here is actually... Um, from there? You no, know, he's married to somebody from the Middle East oh, okay. who gave us an audio recording, and she said it like Qatar. Qatar. So it's kind Got of it. like between Qatar and Qatar. So you can hit either one of those extremes, or you can try to go in the middle. I will most likely this entire World Cup say cut more like Qatar. Okay. But every time I've said Qatar, people in the text messages freak really? the absolute heck out for some reason. So just to keep that entire reaction going because it makes me laugh in the morning, I'm going to say cutter. It, it sounds a, like a southern person saying it was like cutter. Yeah. Cutter. <laughs> you see U.S. is playing in cutter. cutter. <laughs> Sorry, my Tennessee came out a little bit there. So, <laughs> Brooke, before you got to St. Louis, Maybe the biggest event on the St. Louis sports calendar and the hardest ticket was the Mizzou-Illinois Bragg and Rights basketball game. Mm -hmm. It was unbelievable. And I felt like I had pretty good access to tickets. And every year I had trouble finding tickets. And I'm hoping that this game can come back. And I think this year can be a big start of it. Two things are in play here. Number one, Brad Underwood has Illinois going. Mizzou was pursuing a face of the state in basketball. And Dennis Gates might be that guy. And so the reason that Illinois-Mizzou was great when we were kids, CD, was because of Lou Henson and Norm Stewart, right? Mm -hmm. Because every year you knew Norm was going to wear his black or gold Stormy jacket Norman. and you knew that uh, Lou was going to wear his, his orange jacket. And we knew that they were going to have great programs. Well, now you've got coaches, A, that have good histories, and obviously Underwood's got the good history already at Illinois, but right now, Mizzou is 11th in the nation in scoring at 94 points a game. Illinois 25th at 88.8. Mizzou with five players averaging double-figure points. Demoya Hodge at 16.8. And Terrence Shannon from Illinois is averaging 24.3 a game. He's fourth in the country. And so, at the very least, Brooke, when you look at this 
for December, we should have a shootout, right? It should be literally the, the uh, maybe that's not the term to use anymore. They took that out of the the River Red River shootout. Yeah. But it, it should be a shootout. It should be a 94-88 kind of game. Theoretically, I, I would say, here's my whole thing, is not trying to take anything away from Mizzou and what they've been able to do. Because with, with Dennis Gates, they are undefeated right now. And he was able to turn things around because Mizzou's issue last year, as we know under Conzo Martin, is there wasn't much offense, right? Mm-hmm. There, Right now we're seeing an offensive explosion. You have multiple players hitting double figures in every single game, which is what you need in college basketball, right? But also, looking at their schedule... It's been some pretty easy games mm-hmm. for them thus far. It almost feels like, you know, a boxer kind of padding up their resume a little bit beforehand before they get, you know, the big match. It feels like that early on. And then when you compare that to Illinois' schedule, they're playing some real deal teams. One, they were able to beat UCLA. I know that they're coming off a loss, obviously, against Virginia this weekend. But what Brad Underwood has been able to do at Illinois is super impressive. The way that he's been able to turn them around where, I mean, their perennial winter seasons, going to the NCAA tournament, uh, appearances as well. And also, too, you lost some really talented guys in Trent Frazier and Kofi Coburn, but you still have enough talent ready to go right there. That just shows how much Underwood has really built up this program. Yeah, going in the right direction. And Randy, to your point, the the bragging rights game, if you've never been, it is absolutely it well, the last couple of years not so much, mm-hmm. but the the let's say five to ten years ago, it literally splits down the middle from black and gold to orange yeah, and blue. And it it is it is one of the most exciting games you can partake in and be a part of. Um and, and it's great for the city of St. Louis. I mean, you got so many kids that are from St. Louis, the St. Louis area, whether it's on the east side or, or this side. You, that that are playing in that game, that are able to come home and, and their family and their friends are able to watch them. So I do hope that it does get back to that because this city needs games like that to be able to 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 be able to attend and watch and just enjoy some college basketball. And I, I do think for a time, and a, a lot of it was related to coaching because you didn't have Norman Lou anymore. It, it just felt like the commitment wasn't. I don't know if commitment's the right word, but it just wasn't happening for either school. I think they were trying. Conzo Martin was is a great guy and was a great basketball coach. I think what you're talking about, Brooke, you're exactly right. The, the game that he won with and when he was a player in college, that doesn't exist anymore. You can't win with that game anymore. And now it seems like you have a couple of forward-thinking people in Underwood and Gates that understand where they are in terms of the transfer portal, in terms of NIL, and in terms of having players that play more of an NBA-style game. Kids all want to go to the NBA, and kids know they have to score to go to the NBA. Well, yeah, and and look, Mizzou has definitely gone and shocked people over the years in the bragging rights game. That's another thing that I really like about it, where Mizzou wasn't even like a team that you were thinking about that would be able to beat Illinois, and they've still been able to do it. I know that Illinois won it last year, but Mizzou had won three years in a row prior to that, shocking Illinois, who mm-hmm. <laughs> is a very talented team. But going back to the schedule, 
schedules I mentioned, I think for Mizzou, you know, they have Coastal Carolina next and some other smaller games. I'm looking at that Kansas game to really see that as the true measuring yeah. stick for Dennis Gates and this team. And look, I, I'm not faulting him for or Mizzou for kind of starting out the schedule a little bit easier. I know they played like a Mississippi Valley State. I didn't even know what that was. Jerry Rex went to Mississippi <laughs> Valley State. Oh, yeah, yeah right. I, didn't, I didn't know. But, you know, it, it, it's like I, I understand like you're getting your players really acclimated to your system. It's working out. They're undefeated. I'm just looking at that Kansas game, and I feel like going into that, then you also have that Illinois game not too long after that. I feel like that will be a huge measuring mm-hmm. stick for Dennis Gates and Mizzou and what they're being what they're building this season. That being said, can you really have a measuring stick game when you have an entirely new team? This is not only, and they do have a couple of players left from the Martin era, but this is, it seems to me like, a completely new era for Mizzou. And this is kind of, with the transfers and the JUCOs, JUCO Player of the Year, nice to have, but this isn't a program yet. This is a team, and you just have to take two or three, four years to build a real program. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, and the fact that he is able to at least get something going here, and as I mentioned, it's not just one guy that's carrying this team. Because look, last year it was a lot on Kobe Brown. A lot was put on his shoulders, and then now it's not. Kobe Brown can do a lot of different things. He's not always going to be your leading scorer. Uh, you have Demoy Hodge, who's doing really well for Mizzou. I think that it's just going to be interesting to see what Mizzou's able to do in that Bragg and Rice game. And it is fun. I wish that more people would go out to it because one, it's fantastic. It's here in St. Louis and it's so much fun to see that in person, a college basketball game like that right here in St. Louis. I mean, why not go see it? And you never know what's going to happen, especially with these two offenses. There's no telling. I think, as I said, I think it's one of the best games that that I've been a part of, been been to, been able to take in. Because, it, like I said, when you go and those that have not been there, you it, it is the good years when it's a really two really good teams. Mm-hmm. It is split exactly down the yeah, middle, awesome. and you may have a few spatters of of orange and blue uh, in the black and gold <laughs> section, or, or vice versa. But for the most part, you look one way is going to be one color, the other way is going to be the other color, and then then they have the the competition where the cheerleaders have to hold up the hold up one another for whoever wins that like that becomes a big thing like the whole thing in itself is a is an amazing event and and the basketball game is is always if it's a good game it makes it that much better and that was at the enterprise center it's brought to you by mcbride and son homes did you want to add something yeah, here matthew carrie charitably saying that the uh, cheerleader thing becomes a part of the game instead of the honest statement, which is it's been the most impo- like, well, fun thing to the, watch the last like six years of it, this it game. It has been. Yeah, it, for <laughs> the last yeah, few yeah, years, it, 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 that's it, been the most exciting part. Like finally, watching. finally we get to watch an actually good back and forth high scoring game that's going to be a bragging right this year. Instead of again watching two very boring twenty minute halves between a very very exciting cheerleader competition. And here's another thing that'll help bring it back, and this is always right before Christmas. This year's on December twenty second. That game always used to be on big ESPN. This year it's on the SEC network. And that's another thing that needs to be brought back is having it be a big event. A few years, Dickie V did the play-by-play. I remember one year on radio, it was the day that Jim Hannafin got fired. So it was 1985. Jim Hannafin got fired by the football Cardinals. Jack Buck was doing the play-by-play for the game. And he found out that Hanny got fired and just left at halftime. I don't even remember who did the second half. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, so that he could uh, take care of Hanny. That's uh, Brooke. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. It's 101 ESPN. And coming up. 
Take it or leave it. I've got a great one for you next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Or take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley is here. Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. The text line is open. The Air Comfort Service text line is 65780. Brooke and Carrie, yesterday the Jets lost to the Patriots 10-3. They lost on an 84-yard punt return with five seconds left that gave New England the victory. Absolutely heartbreaking. Zach Wilson was terrible on the day, and when asked if he felt like he let the defense down, he said no, no. And the headline in the New York Post for the column by veteran columnist Steve Serby this morning is, Zach Wilson is officially a problem after giving Jets no chance. Apparently several of his teammates were upset that he walked around the locker room after the game and acted as if he wasn't a problem. So, take it or leave it, the Jets should make every move they can this offseason to acquire Aaron Rodgers from the Packers. Uh, Uh, Do you want to start? Go ahead. I'm going to say take it. Because one, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is obviously very upset with what's going on in Green Bay. He was even hesitant to return to them this season. Anyways, he needed to take, what was that, an ayahuasca trip (laughs) beforehand and all that kind of stuff. It feels very a la 2008 Brett Favre um, is what it feels like with the Packers where they're going to come to him and say, are you going to stay? Are you going to leave? And (laughs) I think we've all seen Aaron Rodgers this season and he's going to leave. There's no way that he's going to want to stay there. He's going to want a fresh start. And if I was the Jets, I'd say okay, there's somebody who is actually going to kind of hold himself accountable and be a true leader and Zach Wilson doesn't seem to be that guy right now I'll take it as well they got to do something um you know, I'm, it, it's it's tough to lose a game on a punt return that that, that is not your fault if you're the quarterback no. no but you also have to you also only put up three points as an offense and so, two yards of offense yeah, in the second and half. 77 yards passing I believe is what he had uh he had some drops that were awful but you, you still have to as the quarterback, it's about it's about making sure that I get everybody involved. And, you know, when we don't play well, I take the blame for it. Bingo. That's it. Um, so, Randy, Nathaniel Hackett, the Broncos head coach. For now. Yeah, 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 that's where I'm going. Yeah, good, good job. <laughs> gave up his, his play calling duties last week. They still lost the game. Take it or leave it. He's going to be giving up his head coaching duties here shortly. <laughs> I'll take it. They he have may not to be, be giving yeah. it up, but yeah, so he's going to take yeah. it from him. Yeah, I'm going to take it all that. Too. Yeah. A, new, a new owner that didn't hire him, and they're bad. That, there was a, a, a late in that game, the the Raiders were going to score. Uh, we're going down. They end up kicking a field goal to tie the game. He called a timeout where they were about to clock it, and where the Bron- where the Raiders were about about to clock the ball. They had a long play. It was time running down. They needed to clock it to save. They didn't have any timeouts. The Broncos. He called a timeout. Which I'm thinking, I'm like, why are you doing that? You could use that timeout on the next drive and put yourself, you could throw the ball down the middle, call a timeout, and now have a better opportunity to score or kick a field goal. You got a pretty damn good kicker. It, it, he, it seems like he's out of sorts. 
he's in a he's over his head in, in what he's doing right now. He has no clue. Yeah, and they he can't he can't be long for that job. No, I, I can't believe they wound up hiring him because one of the things that teams do now is they'll take a coach through a game on video and say, okay, what, what would you do here? And clearly. He has no game management skills nah. whatsoever. And sometimes I complain about fans that complain about coaches because if you're winning, it doesn't matter. But the problem is his issues are causing them to lose games. Randy, they are giving up around 16 points a game yeah. as a defense. <laughs> and you're losing. It, it, if I'm a defensive player, I'm ready to fight everyone on that yeah. offensive <laughs> side and the head coach Yeah, and at how, some point. Yeah. How do you want to coach those uh, wide receivers? Coaching with baseball bats, Randy. <laughs> That's a line from Mike Martz. All right, my my take it or leave it. I, I'm going to do a little stirring the pot this Monday morning. Okay, I'm going to go with a Blues take on this one. Take it or leave it. Vladimir Tarasenko is going to waive his no trade clause, and the Blues are going to move him at the trade deadline. Not because he's a bad player. Obviously, they want him here. He's talented, all that stuff. But as we know. Tarasenko, of course, wanted to move at one point, move on. You have to find a way to keep Ryan O'Reilly here, I would hope. So maybe, maybe, maybe you move Vladimir Tarasenko. This is a great one, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave it because I believe now, and I wouldn't have said this two weeks ago, I believe now that Doug Armstrong will think this team has a chance to win the Stanley Cup once we get to the trade deadline, and I don't think he'll want to take it apart. I'm going to leave, and for that reason as well. I think if you'd if you'd asked this during that eight game losing streak mm-hmm. at round six games, if you'd have said that, I would have said take it because the way that they were playing, there was no reason for everyone to to stay around, especially if they're not going to be on contract or cannot if they're not in under contract for next year. Right now, I agree with Randy. I think that they they're looking at this team and saying, "Hey, okay, fellas, we we may have something here. We may have an opportunity to do some special things." We're not going to break it up. We're going to try to make a run for this and, and see how far we can go. Yeah, I mean, I here's the thing. I think Tarasenko is obviously a very valuable member, but as we've seen, especially the trade deadline, sometimes the Blues like to do things a little bit crazy. Just want to stir the pot a little bit. Just put that thought out here because I know it was just one game, but still I was very impressed with Buchnevich and Thomas and the chemistry they build. It's more lines change all the time in the NHL, right? It's more about the pairs and seeing those two and how connected they were really showed me, okay, even if Tarasenko does decide to move on, say after the season, mm-hmm. the Blues are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. All right, what do we got on the text line, Matthew? Take it or leave it. The Cardinals are serious contenders to land one of the big four free agent shortstops. I'm going to leave it. I, I, I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll be serious contenders. I think the market is going to have to come back to the Cardinals, and I don't think it will because Boston's going to need a shortstop. Atlanta's going to need a shortstop. The Dodgers are going to need a shortstop. The Angels apparently are in the shortstop market. The Cubs are in the shortstop market. I just think there's there's going to be too many teams and too few shortstops. I think this is still going to be a seller's market for those guys. And, and too much money to be spent on the position? You don't think the Cardinals yeah. would spend that much on that position? Or I th- is that? I think there's a chance they would spend if they would get a catcher in a trade or get a less expensive catcher. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to have to leave it, too, because here's the thing. You have Mason Wynn that obviously isn't too far away to coming up there. So what's the point in spending a lot of money to go get a guy, um, say a Trey Turner or something like that, spend all that money when you know that you have Mason Wynn, who's hopefully who you think your future shortstop 
I mean, maybe a year to, away or who knows, even maybe sooner than that. It seems like at least hearing from Mosaloc, they really think a lot of him and mm-hmm. do see him in the future plans here soon. Yeah, I like that one. Take it or leave it. The Detroit Lions are closer to being good than they are bad. I will take that. They they have some really good players. Uh, they're a quarterback away. They got a receiver that is coming off of uh, injury. It, it, was he on pup or injury reserve? Either one. Jameson Williams, I if who he hasn't comes played back this week. I, I had heard Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was, but I haven't heard anything else. But when he does, we know what he is. He can take the top off. He is a guy that can flat out fly. And so I think they are really close to being good. And yeah, I, I, I'm going to take that. They are, they are a very good football team. They're, they're probably a Kirk Cousins. Same as same mm-hmm. as Minnesota Vikings, a quarterback away. Yeah, <laughs> like Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, those guys are you know pretty much the same. Uh, four days ago, Dan Campbell was quoted as saying, "I would probably say after Thanksgiving sometime. I think tentatively that's what we're looking at. I don't know if that would be the Jacksonville week or the week after, but he's close. No progressing, and there are no setbacks. Yeah. Or sorry, he's progressing. There are no setbacks." Yeah. Isn't everybody just about a quarterback away in the NFL at this moment? <laughs> Titans. Your guy, I won't say their guy. Your guy, he's been great for the last couple of games. He's, but just wait. Just you wait. He's, if we're <laughs> talking coming. about streaky up and down, <laughs> I mean, coming. that is Ryan Tannehill through and through. So I feel like that's the constant issue in the NFL. But I feel like in general, the, the Lions just have a great overall, just all around game at this point. So that's that's what you need to be successful. Here's the thing about Detroit is their general manager, Brad Holmes, started in the St. Louis Rams PR department when Dick Vermeil was here. And he paid attention, became a scout, learned how to build a program. We talked about a program with basketball. That's what DV, DV never called it my team. He called it a program. Okay. And <laughs> when you have Aiden Hutchinson fall to you, you, you take him. When you have a chance to get a guy like Jamison Williams, that's part of building your program. And that is a franchise that not only is going to have good uh, good starting 22, but when guys leave as free agents, they're going to have yeah. replacements that they're preparing to build a program. And once they get that guy, that quarterback, yeah, I'm with you. I think they're very close to being good. Brooks' comment made me think of this, Tioli, which I think is good. Take it or leave it. The NFL is exhibiting the worst football in the last 20 years. The last 20 years? I'm going to leave that. I just think it's the worst quarterback play of the last 10 years, and so therefore people think it's the worst football. But honestly, I think when you combine some of the terrible calls that you've seen, when you see – I I do think it's been pretty bad, especially early in the season. It was atrocious. Those guys were trying to figure out – you know, not having their normal preseason regimen that, that that they're accustomed to. That that first three to four games was not good football at all. And I do agree the quarterback play for most for a lot of teams is is subpar. So I don't know that I've seen football in this. It, it, it's not the same, man. It's it's just not it's not the same game that I grew up watching. People can't get hit. You can't be physical. You can't you know knock people down without getting penalized for it. And, you know, it's it's leaning so heavily on the quarterbacks that if the quarterback stinks, you're going to have a bad product. The, the Minnesota Vikings stunk yesterday because their quarterback stunk. And they have a very good football team and they have a very good running back. And, you know, they just aren't able to do anything because if the quarterback doesn't play well, you're going to struggle. So how do you change that, though? How do you how would yeah, you say college. that you, you can? It starts in college. Those guys are not being prepared 
in the same way in college. Like, college is so different. When I went to college, I chose Illinois, and I did not choose Mizzou because Mizzou was running the triple option. Mm-hmm. I chose Illinois because they were running a pro-style offense, which I knew would translate to the NFL. A lot of these colleges are not running that type of offense. They're running spread. They're running RPOs. They're not allowing quarterbacks to have to read coverages. They have to read a man. And if that man takes this angle, they throw the ball here. If he goes here, they hand it off. So it's not the same. And the offensive linemen are not required to do the same things as well. So offensively, football is starting to take a step back because of what the college game has done. But Football used to be a physical collision sport. Yes. Coaches now during the regular season, I think they have 14 padded practices during the 18 weeks. You you don't have two-a-days anymore, and very few of your training camp practices are padded practices where you can actually practice right. or become physical up front on the, on the lines. If you compare any team, compare the most physical team right now in the NFL to Kerry's 2008 Super Bowl champions, there is no comparison from we, a physical standpoint. When I played football, there was a saying, put your face in the fan. And so what that means is if you take the cover off of a fan and stick your face in there, that's what tackling or blocking should feel like. Stick your face in the fan and really get in there. Yeah, put your face in the fan. Like, <laughs> go ahead. Because that's that's the mindset that we had. Now, you know, everyone, do the safety. You keep your head out of it. You put your head to the side. You don't put your head down the middle of someone. But that was a different mindset where you really had to be a tough person to play football, and if you were not, you were not going to survive. I, I mean, here's the thing: is like saying 20 years. I think is. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of football because one, Patrick Mahomes is absolutely fun mm-hmm. and electric to watch. So I can't. I don't want to take that away from it as well. Um, and then you've had other stories, like I mean, of course, Tom Brady would be in that 20 year mark too. There is great football happening but yeah I think that it's becoming harder and harder to find those great quarterbacks I mean there's a reason why we still have Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady as some of your more successful quarterbacks in the league and it's more attractive from an offensive fantasy football gambling standpoint but just in terms of the aesthetics of the game that America fell in love with in the 70s 80s it's completely different Mm -hmm. That's Brooke, that's Carrie, I'm Randy, and that was Take It or Leave It. Next up, the Blues have been winning since Ryan O'Reilly got hot. Does this mean they should sign him? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. Out high to Jones. Back to Kane. Coming rink wide to Taves. It's intercepted in O'Reilly. With Achari, two-on-one, shorthanded. Kane trying to get back. O'Reilly shooting. They score! O'Reilly, a shorthanded goal. Haig cut it off behind the net, but Mikola pinches. Stick candles it in. They put it to the goal. They score! O'Reilly has put the Blues on top. Three to two. Falk down the right wing. Levo to the goal line for O'Reilly. What a goal! He scores! An unbelievable highlight It's 8.06 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here. Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. And 
Ryan Riley is hot, and I'm not going to be hypocritical because, CD, we said a couple of weeks ago when the Blues had lost six in a row, uh, I said if this happens again, and rather than three and six, they wind up being six and 12, this is after 18 games, they're going to have to look at moving Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko. Well, instead of being six and 12 after 17, the Blues now are over 500, and their success, their winning streak of six in a row of the day. Really hops and kicks. The number of the day is six. six. That has coincided with Ryan O'Reilly getting hot. And now I'm wondering, I've, I've actually, Brooke, done a complete 180 here. I'm wondering if now, after saying that the Blues should consider moving him, if they should consider signing him to an extension now, or do you wait until after the season is over? Oh, I mean, you have to sign him soon, right? I, I mean, I felt that even during this rough stretch, even at the beginning of the season, you have to find a way to keep Ryan O'Reilly here. He is such a big part of this team, not just because he's the captain, but what he's able to do. I mean, even when you're putting out him out against the best of the best, he's the one that's going up against the best line. He's going against the Connor McDavid's, all that kind of stuff. And I think... Two, just throwing this out there, I think Josh Levo, him being brought up, him being recalled, has made such a huge difference, not only for Ryan O'Reilly, but for Brandon Saad. That was the only line in this past game that was kept intact, one, because we've had injuries, illness and stuff. But Josh Levo has helped Ryan O'Reilly truly shine. And I feel like you just see a huge difference there. And we're seeing the Ryan O'Reilly that really helps this team push through. I was going to say also, you know, that line with him inside also is, is a good thing. I wonder if if when he was on the line with Kairou, did he feel, you know, maybe a little bit more pressure mm-hmm. to try to get Kairou involved in the game or, or do a little bit more than he needed to do? And, and because, you know, when you're not playing well and you got a young guy who's got a big contract, you know, you're 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 the veteran, you're the old crafty guy. You want to get this guy involved. And, and maybe that had something to do with his poor play, just not tr- doing what he was supposed to do, but trying to help maybe help Kairou a little bit more than he normally would in a hockey game. And and now your play starts to decrease because you're trying to do something for someone else. I I wonder if that had something to do with how poorly he was playing. And now you're seeing him with with Levo and with Saad, and he's playing much better because those guys are are a little bit older and they understand the game a little bit differently. And more responsible. Like you say, CD, if Jordan Kairou is out of – his position defensively, and Ryan O'Reilly is trying to cover his yes. position and Jordan Cairo's position defensively, then all of a sudden you're going to be out of position on two fronts, right? right. You're going to have two people open, and I have no doubt that that's what was happening early in the season. And to his credit, Jordan Cairo has gotten better defensively, too, since he's moved. But, Brooke, to your point about Levo... Ryan O'Reilly is a guy that makes generally makes people around him better. Mm-hmm. And that's a valuable asset to have. If you have that sort of player in any sport that makes the people around him better, and he's got the leadership skills that Ryan O'Reilly has, that's that gives me every reason to want to re-sign him. Now, do you want to sign him when he's hot, when he's got four goals, three assists, seven assists in his last seven games? Probably not the best time. I would say that it's probably sell high time for him. So you wait, but there's got to be a point for the Blues where they say, okay, this is the guy we need to have. We need to determine how our cap is going to be allocated next year. We already have the Thomas and Cairo and defenseman contracts in place. We have to figure out how this puzzle is going to come together. And next year, they probably aren't going to be able to keep everybody either. But I think Ryan O'Reilly has to be a part of that puzzle.
I mean, 100%. He He's just such a huge difference maker for this group. And even, you know, when they were going through that rough stretch, he's always trying to, one, take accountability. He's not trying to place blame or anything like that. And I think that just says a lot about him as a leader and as a person. And, I mean, here's the thing, too, is if you look at that stretch for the Blues, of course, it was a lot of weird things happening, but you also had a lot of injuries. And you get a Brandon Saad back, and Saad and O'Reilly have great chemistry. You get a healthy Buchnevich back. So I feel like we're just seeing a lot of the pieces come together for the Blues right now, and that's just what they were missing. Yeah, I agree. I, the injuries were definitely a big part of it. Um, but I think it was more so also just, as you said, Randy, when you when you have to cover your, do your job and try to do someone else's job, I, I'm sure there was a level of frustration because when, and, and O'Reilly's the type of person, he kept saying it, it's on me. I have to be better. I have mm-hmm. to be better. We were talking about quarterbacks earlier and, and Zach Wilson not taking that onus or that blame. You know, he has the C on his sweater. I, I have to be better. When in actuality, Everyone around us needs to be better. And now everyone around him is being better. They're playing better. They're they're getting healthy and they're play- they 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 look like a team that they looked like the team who we saw the first three games and now they're starting to show that they can continue to win games and they're playing at a very high level and it's it's fun to watch. I really respect a guy that during the course of an eight-game losing streak, if I'm a player by the way, I really respect a guy that's out there in front of the media every single night and is taking the blame and He's softening the blow for me a little bit. Yeah. And I don't deserve to have it softened, but Ryan O'Reilly does that for his teammates. Behind closed doors, though, hey, man, hey. You got to pick it up. Hey, you. <laughs> hey, me and you, if you don't come on. Zach, Zach Wilson needs to take notes on that. Just yep. be, just have a little bit of awareness right there. Right, no doubt. Just, just even if it's not all on you, just at least you know, show like, okay, I'm a leader of this team. I'm going to take some out of the blame just so that the group knows I have their back. It's it's your job. You're going to get the glory if you win, even if it's not your responsibility that they won. And yes, you have to, even if it's not your fault that you lost, if you're the QB, if you're the captain, you got to take the blame. Brooke, Kerry, Randy, coming up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. It's Into the Blues booth with Chris Kerber next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Curbside. He shoots, they score! With the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. They score! Bring out the Refreshed by Randall's, St. Louis's number one liquor store. Visit shoprandalls.com. The Voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber will be back in action tonight. 7 o'clock face-off, 6 o'clock pregame for the Blues and the Ducks. And the number of the day here on this show is 6 because the Blues have won 6 in a row, going for number 7. Kerbs, good morning. How are you doing? Randy, I'm doing awesome. How are you guys today? We're doing fantastic. And I got I know that when we talked during the course of the 8-game losing streak, you were confident that the Blues were better than the eight-game losing streak, but were you confident that they were going to turn it around and have a six-game winning streak? <laughs> well, no. I, well, to be in all fairness, I didn't see the eight-game winning streak coming, so I'm going to say I didn't see the six-game six losing streak <laughs> yeah, coming. Right. So I didn't see this one coming. But, but, you know, we talked about certain aspects of this team 
and what was there. And you were definitely getting the goaltending. You've got way too much skill for everybody to be as bad as they. I mean, the, the game in Philadelphia is the one that jumps off the page at me when I saw Justin Falk skate the puck with ease up to the blue line, and then a six-foot pass to Vladimir Tarasenko went three feet away from him. And he went, well, that's weird. And, and honestly, that's the kind of play that you look at and you're going, hey, Joe, is he hurt? Like, is, is this guy banged up? And then I think it was either the same shift or one just right after. Nick Letty's on the ice behind the net. The forwards aren't coming back to help him. And a guy just, one of the flyers just basically swoops in and steals the puck like a hawk going for a mouse. <laughs> and you're going, and, and, and I, ser- I seriously, on the air, I said, okay, what's going on here? Like, this is, it, it just looked weird to me. And uh, so far too many good players, you were getting the goaltending. And the other thing that was going on is you were getting the chances. You were getting scoring chances. Man, if you weren't getting scoring chances, that's one thing. But the chances were there. So, you know what, sometime it would turn around. Now, turn around and do a tying an NHL record six games after losing eight or more. That that I didn't see coming, but I'll take it. Hey, Curves, we were talking about Ryan O'Reilly and his play and, and how this team has kind of gone as he's gone. Do you think that it may be in the, in the, in the eight-game losing streak? We were talking about it, uh, him on the, on the line with Kyrou, and, and now he's on the line with Side and Levo. It, it seems a little bit different for him. Maybe the game is easing up for him, and, and, and just maybe he was trying to get other people involved a little bit more and not doing his job as, as, to the best of his ability. Jordan Kyrou's game, and this is not – I'm not knocking the young man, but Jordan Kyrou's game has too much risk in it, in my opinion – to be on a line with Ryan O'Reilly right now. And the reason is, is because it's Ryan O'Reilly, you're facing off against the other team's top players. You're lining up against, the other team is, is matching up against you. And I think that that is a little too much responsibility for Jordan Cairo right now. You've seen the fact that he could have some success with Robert Thomas and Pavel Butchnevich. They play a speedier, quick transition game. Uh, you've seen him have some success with, with Braden Shen. But at that point, you're talking about him getting 16 to 17 minutes a game rather than 19 to 20 minutes a game. And that two to three minutes, you know, in five or six shifts makes a difference and you're probably getting some better matchups. So, and you don't want to, you don't want to thwart the creativity of Jordan Cairo. You want him to continue to feel that puck and continue to feel those situations and see if the other team has to adjust to his game. But if you're Ryan O'Reilly, you play a down-low, gritty game. You've played this style of game that knows how to win and that has won you a championship. You're looking, you're looking at that, and when they brought Josh Levo in and said, I thought that it might match up well with it, well, Craig Ruby was right. And Josh Levo told me the other day, I said, what are you guys doing? He said, we're just finding the puck. We're just going for the puck. And now you see some other chemistry going in there. So I don't re- this, this, it's just one of those classic things. And it doesn't mean that it's never going to work. But this is just one of those classic line chemistry situations where I don't know that Jordan Cairo's game and Ryan O'Reilly's game make for the most success uh, against another team's top players. Speaking of chemistry curves, Robert Thomas and Pavel Buchnevich obviously working really well together. You don't like to see Vladimir Tarasenko sick, but still, the fact that they were so successful in that game against the Ducks, you had Robert Thomas with three points, you had Pavel Buchnevich with four points. They thought five points at first, but then they took that away later after the game. What can you say about those two and the chemistry that they've built, despite, too, as we know, kind of a language barrier there as well? Well, when I, I talked in the preseason with Robert Thomas and I asked him about playing on the left side on the power play, and he said, oh, it's definitely different. It, well, he's facing the net. He's got so many more options, shoot, walk off the wall, pass, go to the blue lane with it. 
So for him, it was a little overwhelming. But he talked about Pavel Butchnevich, and he goes, for example, he goes, Butchie, he goes, you know, I, sometimes you just got to float a pass right in the middle of the Butchie. And he goes, and, and this, this is the chemistry that you start to understand with, with a player when you play with him for a little bit. He says, he goes, you know what? He actually shoots the puck better if it's not a flat puck. Hmm. And I went, hmm. all right, that's interesting. He goes, I go, really? He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, he goes, he actually shoots the puck better if it's wobbling a little bit or it's bouncing. He's amazing when it comes to getting control of a puck that you shouldn't be able to get control of. And those are little things. So I said, well, so do you bounce it to him on purpose? I'm like, what do you do? He goes, well, he goes, he goes, I don't worry about it being as flat as it needs to be for some other guys. But again, that gives you an idea of just the little tiny things that, uh, that builds chemistry between some guys. And um, the other thing, though, that Robert Thomas is doing is he's not flattening up every time he gets into the zone. His play has become a little less predictable for the opposition. And in doing that, I think he's able to find, uh, find Butch Navitz a little bit more, too. And, and the last thing on that line, it'll be interesting. We'll get to the rink here, you know, in about an hour and a half, uh, two hours, and see what's what's going on with the morning seat. If Vladimir Tarasenko is good enough to go, if you're Craig Berube, do you put him right back on that line? Now, keep in mind, he had gone, what, six or seven games without a goal, Vladimir has. I mean, he's only got goals in three games this year. So, you know, does maybe a change with Braden Shen look good for Vladimir Tarasenko after the way Kairou Thomas and Butchnevich looked in that last game? That. That'll be a little storyline I think we keep an eye on here at the Morning Skate. Curbs, I remember the first time I ever saw Nico Mikola in a practice, and I was with you, and I said to you, I said, man, this guy could be a monster. And you agreed. And it looks like Mikola now is ascending to that level that he can really be a, a well better than serviceable NHL player. I, I love the way that he's played the last half dozen or so games. Randy, Al McKinnis told me at one point in time, he said, he goes, you know what, I'm not sure you really know what you have in a defenseman until they've played 300 games in the league. It's just that hard of a position to play. And Nico Mikkel has played about 100. So, I mean, you're a third of the way there to really understanding just how good or what he could be. Prior to him even making the team when Bill Armstrong, now the general manager of the Coyotes, was our assistant general manager, at a, before a preseason game, Joe and I sat down with Bill and we went through everybody we could see in camp. I got a little scouting report. And when describing Nico Mikola, he goes, oh, I love him. He goes, he's just a dog on a bone. And every time he goes into something, there's going to be a kerfluffle. And if we can if we can, we can, can kind of curtail the kerfluffle just a little bit, we'll be good. But you don't want to, you know, you don't want to take that dog away from hunting the bone. And I think playing about 35 games last year, on a regular shift with Colton Pareko, really improved his game. And look what he's done with Colton out of the lineup here. I thought he's been really good and solid. And he's got an opportunity again. And look, again, if you're a young guy trying to get into the National Hockey League and break through, you're getting opportunities with the St. Louis Blues team because of injuries and then Colton Pareko being out. Mikola has got another chance where he's going to try to do his best to make sure nobody else gets that spot. And I think he's been really good these last few games. Curbs, looking forward to tonight. Hopefully the Blues can make it seven. We know you have an appointment that you need to get to, so we'll let you get to that, and we'll be tuned in tonight. Yeah, thank you very much. Hey, Randy. Yes. If you're the Blackhawks, would you have would you have retired Marion Hosa's number? No. Would you? So he's only played he'd only played 534 <laughs> games with the Blackhawks and had 415 points, but he was part of all three championships. Now you know that they're going to have to. You know they're going to have to rise, especially now. They're going to have to retire Taves and Kane, and I got to think Keith and Seabrook. Agreed. Right, and at some point even even Quenville. 
I don't. I'm not so sure about the Marion Hosa one. It, it, it's an interesting debate when it comes to retiring a guy's number. Yeah, it, definitely, absolutely. By the way, Curbs, uh, congratulations! Not congratulations. Happy Thanksgiving to you and and uh, Christy and the the girls. Have a, a great Thanksgiving and uh, have uh, you're, you guys are on the road, aren't you, for Thanksgiving? Yeah, we're going to leave tomorrow, so we had a little Thanksgiving dinner. Thanks to Brooke who helped adjust our timing for Blues <laughs> Weekly yesterday for me, so we can do that. So. Uh, th- thank you all very much. Have an awesome week. Have a great Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. All right. Thanks, Curbs. Take care. That is the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. You'll hear him tonight with Joe Vitale. 7 o'clock face-off. Blues and Ducks here on 101 ESPN. And I hate to say this, but this should be a game that the Blues win. The Ducks, they, they still haven't won a game in regulation this season. We're in November now, November 21st. And they started at the beginning of October, and they haven't won a game in regulation. They're just not a very good team. No, I mean, not at all. And I mean, especially with what the Blues have been able to build and the momentum they have right now. Now, of course, the Ducks are going to want to come out tonight. And the Blues even mentioned this after the game this past Saturday. They know that the Ducks are going to come out and play hard because obviously you get <laughs> dominated like that. You don't want to leave town in that way. But still, you have likely tear single back because if it's just an illness you would think that it would be fine by now possibly Colton Pareko back so the Blues should be humming again tonight looking forward to it and you'll hear the pregame with Alex and Joey at 6 o'clock coming up we've got the fight for you here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers welcome to the fight in the red corner Joe Listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley and Matthew Rocchio, and we have a fight. Ladies and gentlemen, you all are in here. We're ready to roll today, huh? I think I'm ready to roll. Yeah, yeah. got some okay. got some pretty good questions. Kevin, I didn't, I didn't throw any World Cup questions well, in there. Well, thank, thank, you. thank you for thank you for all Stay of that frosty, are listening. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin is excited about that. Kevin, you are our listener today. Our contestant, how are you doing this morning? Good, Gary. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Are you ready to go? Absolutely. All right, Kevin. Here we go. Who was the last Cardinals non-first baseman to win an NL MVP? Was it Joe Torre, Bob Gibson, or Willie McGee? Joe Torrey. Cordero Patterson Patterson set a new record for kickoff return touchdowns in NFL history yesterday, breaking a three-way tie with Leon Washington. And who else? Was that Devin Hester? Josh Gribbs. There it is. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> That's a you are ready to go. Did you have coffee, energy drink this morning? You are, like, firing them off. No, I just listen a lot. <laughs> Only one CFP national championship has featured a matchup without an SEC team. Ohio State versus which team? Do you want me to give you the ones? Yeah. Clemson, Florida State, or Oregon? Clemson, Florida State, or Oregon? Uh, Let's go with Clemson. And number four, happy birthday to J.D. Drew. When the Cardinals sent Drew and Eli Marrero to the Braves in December of 2003, they received three pitchers in return, Adam Wainwright, Jason Marquis, and which reliever? Was that Esteban Yan, Ray King, or Kiko Calero? 
Uh, Ray King. All right, we're going to double-check the scores here. All right, and then we're going to wave in Randy Carricker. And you guys are going to vamp because I can't Kevin, how are you feeling? Uh, not not so good. Not so not good. You know what's interesting? Every time I ask someone how they feel, that's usually the answer. And and sometimes, Kevin, not all the time, but yeah. sometimes they actually do really well. So that may be the case for you today. Good. I just worry about what Randy's drinking to eat today. He, well, got, a Dr. Pepper, <laughs> he so. got a diet, Dr. Pepper. He, uh, oh, I think he had sorry. a Propel earlier. I didn't see him eat anything. So no, you, I'm, you, he, I'm he malnourished. Is, he is malnourished. <laughs> so you may be okay. He's reaching for. Uh, he's got another propel, huh? He's got to have water. He, he's he's fired up. Yep, I'm ready. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Kevin. Kevin, good morning. How you doing? Good for a Monday, Randy. How are you, sir? Everything's great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right. All right, Randy. Here we go. Who is the last Cardinals non-first baseman to win an NL MVP? I would suggest that would have been Willie McGee in 1985. Cordero Patterson set a new record for kickoff return touchdowns in NFL history yesterday, breaking a three-way tie with Leon Washington and who else? Okay, so when Kerry Davis was playing, I had a tremendous amount of respect for the dreads that he had. Steven Jackson had unbelievable dreads. (laughs) I don't know that anybody in the NFL in recent memory has had better dreads than Josh Cribbs. He had really good dreads. I loved him. Very long. Yeah. I watched him run away from me. Times, <laughs> Josh, Josh Cribbs. So Leon, Wa- I didn't even. I had no idea that Leon Washington had a re- to get coverage returns for touchdowns. Me neither. All right, number three. Only one CFP national championship has featured a matchup without an SEC team: mm. Ohio State versus which team? I think the first one was Ohio State and Oregon. So I will go with the Oregon Ducks. And happy birthday to J.D. Drew. When the Cardinals sent Drew and Eli Marrero to the Braves in December of 2003, they received three pitchers in return. Adam Wainwright, Jason Marquis, and which reliever? It would have been the left-handed relief pitcher. Ray did not like the nickname Burger King. How could he not like that nickname? He was a big fella. Fair enough. We have a short week this week. So, to be a Hall of Famer before Thanksgiving, to walk in on Thursday head hell high like a champion, you would have had to won all three days. So, Kevin would have been the only person who could have walked into Thanksgiving and say, I am a Hall of Famer post the second week of January 2022. He could have been the only person to say it. Will he still be the only person who has that chance? Did Kevin win today? Does he have a chance to run through the short week to win a Hall of Fame? Or did Randy snuff that out right out of the gate? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. I am the champion. I'm unstoppable today. There we go. Kevin will have to go into his Thanksgiving, unfortunately, not a Hall of Famer in the fight. Randy Carricker hit the jack on that one. He didn't need the options on any of them, and he beat you 4-2. to two. Kevin, you put up a good, good effort, but unfortunately, uh, Randy Carricker's feeling good on this short week. 
Thanks, guys. No problem, Kevin. Before you go, though, let's go through all those answers. You already heard Randy say them all, but just in case you didn't, let's go through them. The last Cardinals non-first baseman to win an NL MVP was, of course, Willie McGee. He was an outfielder when he won that one. The one before that would have been the last non-Cardinals MVP uh, first baseman to win MVP. Right before that would have been? Cha-Cha in 67? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, Joe Torre. Yes, because he he played all 161 yep. games that year as a third baseman. Third baseman. It was yep. the next year where he really started getting about 60, 70 yep. games per year as a first baseman. It was, in fact, Josh Cribbs who was tied with Leon Washington and Corderell Patterson for the most kickoff returns in NFL history with eight. Now Corderell Patterson gets number nine and sits atop that list. The only college football playoff national championship game to not feature at least one SEC team was, in fact, the first one when Ohio State faced off against Oregon. And Oregon had the highlighter... Socks. Remember yes. those? Those <laughs> were beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And then happy birthday to J.D. Drew. When the Cardinals sent Drew and Eli Marrero to the Braves in December 2003, they received Adam Wainwright, Jason Marquis, and Burger Ray King. So mm-hmm. Randy Carricker wins that fight 4-2 to against Kevin again. Kevin, thank you so much for joining the show today. Hey, guys. Have a happy Thanksgiving, guys. You too. You thank too. you very much. That is Kevin with us on 101 ESPN. We've got Dave Spence uh, from the RSA coming up in just a moment, but we want to congratulate one of our great salespeople here, Maggie Tuzlowski, who's been here at 101 ESPN for a long time. Last night, she went to the Garden Glow over at the Missouri Botanical Garden, and her boyfriend, Zach, asked for her hand in marriage, and she said yes. So she is engaged. Congratulations, Maggie. Mags, uh, Zach is a lucky man. Congratulations to you and he. And I know everything's going to be awesome between you two because you're you're a great pair of kids. I walk around these halls every day knowing that if I ever played her in 21, she would destroy me. Oh, no question. Or, just, I mean, I mean 21 to not. I mean, she would just skunk me completely. So Mags is six foot, six one. And played college basketball at Loyola, and she's got an outside shot, so she beats everybody in horse, too. (laughs) Pretty tough. Uh, Real quick, when you get a nickname, you're not supposed to like it. That's kind of the the, the gist of nicknames. So Ray Burger King is not something that you, but it it, it signifies who you are as a man or a woman. When you have a nickname, my nickname growing up was Fats. Everyone don't like that. Fats. 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 Yeah. Everyone called me Fats. And how did that make you feel? Didn't bother me at all. Right. Had, sure. a, had a teammate whose head was large. We called him Head. <laughs> <laughs> all the creativity happening over there. <laughs> Fats like a jazz musician from the 20s or something go. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Brad Thompson had a minor league teammate that they nicknamed Coleslaw. Okay. Because nobody likes Coleslaw. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There are there are, there are both Fats Domino, Fats Waller, and Fats Navarro, oh, all jazz pianists or trumpeters. There you go. <laughs> My nickname when I got to college was Burger. Oh, you they told me I was. They called. They told me I was one burger away from playing Amazing. offensive line. <laughs> <laughs> well, <here's> the, <laughs> teammates are terrible. I just want you to. They, they are terrible yeah. people. The difference Great between people, the difference between. Kerry Davis and Ray King. Ray King hated that nickname. Didn't Kerry do much. It. Didn't do much to get rid of it. Kerry Davis got rid of <laughs> oh, that. I did. I definitely got rid of it. <laughs> Quickly. Coming up next, we're going to talk about what's happening with the money that the NFL and the Rams sent to St. Louis, St. Louis County, and the RSA with RSA Vice Chair Dave Spence. He joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We 
with Channel 4's Brooke Grimsley and Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And well before there was a settlement of the Rams lawsuit that St. Louis had filed against the Rams in the NFL, people would ask me, well, what's going to happen with the money when we get it? What's going to happen with the money? And the money has been around for a while, and now it has finally been invested, even though we haven't, to my knowledge, determined what's going to happen with the money. And to untangle a little bit of this and answer some questions for us, the vice chair of the RSA, which runs the, the Dome, Dave Spence, joins us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Dave, thanks so much for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy and Carrie. How are you guys doing? Great, we're we're great, doing terrific. Uh, Great Chiefs win last night. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, I said to, to these two before we got started. I said, uh, "Bulletin: The Chiefs are pretty good." Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Mahomes, is, Mahomes, is, and uh, and Kelsey are just superhuman. Yeah, they're they're unbelievable. Okay, so let's talk about you getting uh, added to the RSA's board, and you're the vice chair of the board. Uh, did that Did that happen before the money came? Just take us to how we got to where we are right now. Okay, well, there's an 11-person board that has always been in place. Uh, it's three appointed by the city, three appointed by the county, and five by the state, because those are the three entities that formed the RSA originally and funded the Dome over the years. So I was elected in, I think my first meeting was in March, uh, by the state, and had to get be confirmed by the Senate and go down to Jeff City and everything else, background check. So. You know, everybody's gone through a little bit of, of uh, pain to get to be on this committee with no compensation. And uh, so it's people, 11-person board, who we get together now once a month. Uh, we were meeting once a quarter. And uh, so now the money is invested, although it comes up, those investments come due in January. Uh, it took a while for the other two entities to agree to invest it, which still confounds me, but I can't look backwards. Uh, but we will have made $7 million of interest on the original 512 uh, come January. So that's not chump change. And, you know, we're, what we're trying to do is to make sure that we are being, uh, using an overworked term, thoughtful about where these funds go, because uh, once they're gone, they're gone. And uh, we need to do something different in our community, meaning we need to make long-term investments that – either enhance public safety, quality of life, recruitment, job training, something that changes the narrative in our community. There's plenty of relief package funds between the county and the city that they're still trying to decide. These funds should be set aside so that they can last eight to 10 years and we can get more interest and pay off that interest and then bring down the principal over time. So, Dave, even though you're looking forward, I want to look back for just a moment. Do you have an approximation? You mentioned $7 million by January will have been gained with these investments. How much did the entities miss out on by not investing sooner? Well, it, that's hard to determine, Andy. I appreciate that question. It's a, um, you know, I, I don't know if there's much to be gained by that, but I, I know that uh, U.S. Treasury rates have gone up substantially since we originally got involved in it. So, you know, it might have been like two and a half percent versus now we're getting three point six, six percent. But uh, yes, there's been some there were some opportunities uh, that weren't maximized. How about that? Okay, good. 
Hey, Dave, you talked about the many different uh, places that that money could be allocated. What do you feel is, though, the, the most important one for, for the city of St. Louis? Well, for the city, it, it, keep in mind, the only two entities that get money where this should be invested, it's not going to be invested in anywhere other than St. Louis City and St. Louis County. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it doesn't go to, you know, Lincoln County or Jefferson County or Eastside or, you know, whatever. So it's St. Louis City, St. Louis County. Uh, you know, Terry, that's a, that's a big question because, you know, if you ask uh, somebody in the re- in the city, they'd probably say, pick up the dang trash, yeah. you know, or, <laughs> or uh, make the streets safer. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to solve all those issues. Uh, there seems to me there's plenty of uh, relief package money that they should be able to get that done as is. I think this should be for... Uh, bricks and mortar. It should be for, and we're, and we're not talking about like you know building a headquarters for a company. What we're doing is is maybe improving uh, facilities for our kids. It could be job training. It could be uh, a multitude of things, and maybe some of the best ideas aren't even out there for a couple of years. Would it be? I mean, when I drive down seventy, you see a lot of buildings that are are you know kind of <laughs> torn down and run down. Would it be maybe allocating funds to to keep up those buildings or tear those down and build something new? Uh, maybe. You know, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm not here to play judge and jury. I mean, you know, I think that uh, it'd be great to have a process where all these these ideas could be vetted and uh, substantiated and said, yes, that if you spend X amount, it results in this and this and this, and everybody agrees uh, versus just saying, yeah, we made a decision behind closed doors and, you know, 50 million is going to go to this and 40 million is going to that. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, we've tried that before in our community. And, you know, here we are kind of stuck in some of the same issues. Uh, so I saw that, as you had mentioned, you guys have put it in a fund and, there's a quote here in the Post-Dispatch about the goal is to maximize the community benefit and to have a transformative, multi-generational economic impact in the St. Louis region, kind of as you were talking about there. So you kind of foresee this as funds that you look to continue to grow and also kind of pick from throughout you know, the years, the decades, something that can continue to help St. Louis, or it's not something that you guys, as you mentioned there, you're going to look to solve problems now. You want this to be able to be a resource for people to continue to use. Well, I I don't know if we can solve a problem now. That's great. Uh, I think everybody would be in favor of that, but you know, keep in mind right now, if you uh, we're we're invested at 3.66%. So somebody out there can do the math on 512 million. Uh, But you know, if we invest, if we take a little longer term view, we can get, you know, over 4%. And you know, at that rate, it produces around 21, 22 million a year. Well, you know, you do that, that makes a big impact. And so it's the power of compounded interest. I'm not trying to say we should keep the money from anybody. That's not my point. My point is, let's be smart about it. And Dave, this seems to me, in, in being smart, if, if I'm an individual and I win the lottery and I can let that $500 million sit there and I can live off the interest, that's a smart move. Right? Is that what you're talking about? Well, I wouldn't say that we never touch it. I don't because mm-hmm. it, you know, it is the taxpayers' money. Right, um, right. You know, this is this is taxpayers' money, uh, and mainly this the state taxpayers' money. But they weren't privy to the lawsuit. Uh, the state paid in fifty six million, and the and the county and the city have paid in twenty eight over the years each. So it's it's a lot of taxpayer money. But I, gosh, doesn't you know everybody has their own version of common sense? But mm-hmm. you know, some of us think that compounded interest. Pay, you know, pay the some of the interest out per year, a little bit of the principal per year. And if there's and if you're stretching for ideas that don't make sense, don't spend the money. 
Dave, as somebody that's you're the vice chair of the RSA, so you have a vested interest in the dome. Where do we stand right now in terms of the dome in regards to necessary improvements? Is it worth it to improve the dome for how much it's used right now? Is that something that's even on the table? Yes, it, it there is. There's a there is a uh, there is a fund out there that goes. There's been two million dollars paid in, five hundred thousand by the city, five hundred thousand by the county, and a million by the state. That has two more years left. That goes into a fund used for capital improvements. We also want to get reimbursed for the $18 million we put out for the proposal to put a riverfront stadium. So we're, so it's, yes, Randy, go back to your question. I'll answer it directly is, yes, it's worth it because steel doesn't go bad. Concrete doesn't go bad. Now, could you improve some of it? Yes. Does it probably need a new turf at some point? Yes. Do you need to have a rainy day fund for a new roof? Yes. Uh, do, you, do you need new dashboards? Probably. But uh, a successful year at the Dome, and I, this is something I really didn't have an appreciation for, but uh, is about 30 to 35 events. Now, without the Rams there, you know, everybody always said, oh, you'll do better without the Rams. Put aside the, the, the we lost the Rams. But as far as opening up the calendar for events. So it was one of the few convention centers slash domes in the country. So that attracts its own level of events. You know, so you could have, you know, uh, I know that uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is coming up with 50,000 people coming into town, uh, and they will use the Dome and the Convention Center. Things like the Baptist Conventions come in. Uh, you know, so there, there are things, you know, like that Mizzou, Illinois is going to come back uh, in football. Uh, the Battlehawks are coming back. Uh, they do have their share of events. Could it be freshened up? Absolutely. Uh, but we need to get past this settlement, and uh, you know we'd like to put selective investments back in it, uh, and have more events and create more revenue for both the convention center and the dome. Hey Dave, with it uh, being Thanksgiving, uh, I know you are a Kirkwood alum. I know that this Thanksgiving is a, a special day for Kirkwood and, and Webster Groves. Give me your your, your best uh, Turkey Day game memory that you have from from your time or or any time through and uh, just being a Kirkwood guy. Well, man, it, it, it's uh, I moved to Kirkwood when I was sixteen uh, from North County because I know you're a Hazelwood guy. I am. <laughs> I, I, I used to. I, went, I moved from Rittner to Kirkwood, so my first, I only had two years when I was there. But it was always cold as heck. But it was—I mean, it was a—it was a—it was an electric game, though. I mean, and that's—and and both Webster and Kirkwood were powerhouses during the time I was there. But those were also when dinosaurs were on Earth. <laughs> hey, la- last thing for Dave Spence, vice chair of the RSA, and uh, you're involved in many of these negotiations to, to, to determine where the money goes. I got to tell you, my fuse would be short. So when you're sitting in these meetings, do you have to bite your tongue a lot? Well, it's interesting. It's kind of lawyer to lawyer. Uh, is is you're in a in a law office and you're in three separate rooms, and the, and the mediator goes from one to the next and says, you know, this and this, this, this. So it, it it's it's kind of it's not like how you the all of us would solve a problem. It, it's you know usually you'd say, hey, Randy, this is the way I feel. Oh, Dave, that's a good point. You know, Carrie, this is the way I feel. You know, and and then you either agree to agree or agree to disagree. So I'm hopeful we can have more person-to-person conversation uh, because I think that's the way the real world works. And uh, so, you know, at least we're getting some interest. It is frustrating. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, But, 
it's uh, we, we also don't want to make a mistake and have these funds go poof with nothing to show for it. Absolutely. Dave, thanks so much for the explanation and the time today. We do appreciate it. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll stay in touch. Okay, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Dave Spence, uh, he is vice chair of the RSA, $512 million, trying to divvy that up. And whenever you have that kind of money, doesn't matter who the entity is, if it's the the four of us in this room or if it's the city, county, and and RSA, coming up with – a solution for determining where that money goes is tough. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is because it's interesting when you hear multi-generational and how that's going to help. Because I think you could say, you could argue, hey, you could fix things now and that will have a multi-generational True. benefit because say that you give the dome the upgrades it needs, it only attracts more conventions, it attracts more games, all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, you look at the other you know, big cities around the area, you have a Nashville, you have a Kansas City, you even have Indy, they're upgrading their facilities and St. Louis needs to follow suit in order to continue to get more sporting events and also conventions to the area as well, which will help create that multi-generational, you know, money that we're hoping for here in St. Louis. I think no, no matter what you do, not everyone is going to be pleased with where the money is allocated because, you know, someone is always going to feel something else should be done. Um, I think when you think about, you know, the programs and, and, and maybe making things safer, making people feel safer, making the community feel uh, safer where people can go in different places and not have to worry about car break ins or, or things of that nature. Those are the things that when you look at that money, I would like. I mean, and as I said, everyone is going to have an opinion, uh, but but I think most people would like those that money to be allocated to programs that help you know, youth, help inner city, help people that can help the, the, the city in general to be a safer place for people to enjoy those events downtown and not have to worry about any of the issues that could, could arise. And I do believe in my heart of hearts that the region would benefit by, to make it multi-generational, just live off of the interest, mm-hmm. right? If, if you're making $21 million a year, seven for the Dome, seven for the county, seven for the city, I know it's in their budget, that's a drop in the bucket, right. but it's still a pretty good thing to have. And then you've got a nice rainy day fund, too, if, if you need to dig into the, the $500 million. Brooke, Kerry, Randy, good to have you with us. Next up, the Blues and Ducks tonight. How do the Blues come away with a victory in this one? That's next on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Nine oh six in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley, Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker, and Brooke had Blues Weekly last night on Channel Four. On Saturday night, the Blues beat the Ducks. On Sunday night, Blues Weekly on Channel Four. On Monday night, the Blues and the Ducks again after a six-two victory. And uh, CD, you've played in games. You've played in playoff games where you played a team the next week, right? Yeah. So back to back. I'll tell you what, I don't think, with all due respect to the Ducks, and they're professional hockey players, 
But I think if the Blues play their best game, I don't think that uh, Anaheim can beat them. Well, you, you you have to feel that the the Ducks are going to come with some adjustments. Mm-hmm. They definitely have, they don't want to they don't want to leave St. Louis and and know that they took two losses in the manner that they lost on Saturday night. Um, but if you're the Blues, you you're playing at a at a at a level right now that. I think they were the only ones at the time when they were going through that losing streak that thought that they could play this way. We didn't think so. We were like, oh, this team is is really bad. They figured some things out. And if you want to continue to be a good team – you beat up on the teams you're supposed to beat up on. You're not. It's not supposed to be close. It's not supposed to be uh, fun for them. It's supposed to be another blowout. You should you should score another six goals mm-hmm. and, and and not give them a chance to breathe. And and you do that by getting to them early, knocking them around early, getting some pucks to go your way, knocking them in the, into the net. And if you do that, teams that are not good or or not as good as you tend to fold. And it 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 gives you more confidence and gives them less confidence when you get after them really early. Well, and and here's the thing, too, is Chris Kerber mentioned this, is it'll be interesting to see what Craig Berube does with the lines again. First of all, how many line combinations has he gone through this season? <laughs> it has amazing. to be like close to like 40 at this right, point, right? Trying to figure it out, yeah. Because of all the injuries and illness, all that kind of stuff. I really liked that line with Buchnevich. Thomas and Cairo, but if Tarasenko does reser- return, does he say, do we mix that up? Because, you know, give something, ter- you know, Tarasenko some- a different look or something like that. I mean, it will be really interesting to see because Robert Thomas and Buchnevich obviously humming. I mean, they were so good the other night. Jordan Cairo always works really well with Robert Thomas. And also, we keep talking about the fours, but we have to give props too to Jordan Biddington. I mean, 30 saves in that game. I know that he wasn't really tested early on, but the fact that he's able to stay sharp when needed says a lot about him. He only gave up. What was that? The power play goal? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was about it. And he's now won five straight. That's huge for the Blues as well. He's your backbone right now. One thing that I like, we had Robert Thomas on last week, and he talked about them playing better in front of him, meaning they were all taking ownership of what was going on when they were playing poorly. It wasn't just, you know, he's like, when when goals are going in and you're losing games, everyone looks at the goalie and says, oh, he needs to be better. And he was saying, we need to be better. And I think right now you're seeing a team that is playing both ends of the ice and understanding we have to work hard, you know, to get the opportunity to score. We can't just, you know, get out there and and skate and, and fly around and not get back on defense and leave our goalie out to dry. So I think right now, um, just the way that they're playing, the fun that they're having is good to see. I agree with you. If you if 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 Kyrou on that line with Buchnevich and Thomas is 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 going as well as it is, it's going to be interesting to figure out where you put Tarasenko because he is still Vladimir Tarasenko. He still is you know one of your top goal scorers. So, but you you can't sacrifice how well you're playing to put him in and, and try to figure it out. You, they've been doing a good job. Hopefully he comes back into the fold and, and they can figure out that line for him because you know if you have three lines that are playing as well as they are able to, it's going to be it's going to be a good season for them going forward. And one thing that's happened of late and it hasn't happened in every single game, but and it didn't happen uh, when Grace faced the 47 shots the other night and the Blues wound up who was the uh the overtime of the shootout game against? Uh, the Capitals. Capitals, yeah. yeah. So they haven't been, they haven't had a ton of offensive zone time all the time, but for the most part in the six-game winning streak, they have played Blues hockey, and that is winning face-offs, winning puck battles along the boards, and maintaining possession of the puck in the offensive zone. That's how the Blues are going to win, and it seems like, especially with guys that are either young or haven't been here, and Brooke, you brought up the 
recall of Levo a couple of times. He's a guy that plays the Blues style perfectly because that's how they're going to win, is by keeping the puck deep in the zone and not allowing the opposition to get it back the other way. Yeah, and you even have, I, I like to see the guys that come up and use the most of their opportunity. You even see, you know, Tucker the other night. I mean, he get, he gets mm-hmm. in that brawl at the end there, and he was, you know, hand like, you know, holding his own in that. And that's what you want to see from this group. You can tell that they're all fighting for each other, and maybe that was just a little on-off thing for them where it was just like a weird kind of losing streak for them. But you just feel that the morale is back up. Now, they are going to be tested here this week because they have a very busy schedule. They go to, is it Buffalo next? And then they have two in Florida. And, I I mean, that's going to be a very tough schedule. And we're going to see Grice more, obviously, because you can't just send Biddington out there every single night. So this is going to be a very big test for the Blues. (laughs) Come on. Let's let's just give Binner. Every game? He probably wants it. I would think so. I could see that. Yeah. As competitive as he is. I mean, you you want to play. You probably want to play every game. In his own words, he's never nervous. So he's always up to the challenge. And by the way, in Buffalo, Tage Thompson, 12th in the league in scoring with 22 points. The Blues sent him to the Sabres in the Ryan O'Reilly deal. 12 goals, 10 assists for Tage Thompson, who's off to a great start. Brooke, Kerry, Randy, coming up, one of our all-time favorites, the great Dan Deardorff with Michigan and Ohio State coming up this weekend. He's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. So we have a great company here at Hubbard Radio. And uh, Hubbard Radio providing uh, Thanksgiving week breakfast for everybody in the in the building today. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's, it's great. So uh, taking care of uh, Carrie and Brooke and Randy and Michael Ryder and... The one, the only Matthew Rocchio. And so uh, we, we appreciate Hubbard Radio. We go now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And uh, Dan Deardorff, longtime friend, uh, Hall of Famer, twice in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame, St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame, I think twice, Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, Michigan Sports Hall of Fame. You're in an Ohio Hall of Fame, aren't you, Dan? Uh, that would be a big negative there. <laughs> I would have thought they would have taken care of you coming from uh, that. Uh, there was a uh, uh, there was some talk of it, but the ceremony uh, actually takes place at halftime of an Ohio State basketball game. Oh no! And, and, and I respectfully declined. <laughs> that would have been funny. I, I wasn't going to put myself through being mercilessly booed by 20,000 people. (laughs) I do not blame you one bit. And then the other thing, I I was thinking, are you the only person in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a player and broadcaster? Because Summerall's not in as a player, right? No, that's a great question. There actually are four of us. Wow. Uh, uh, Myself, uh, Len Dawson, uh, uh, John Madden, and Frank Gifford. Okay. I completely, uh, your great late grand, great friend, uh, Frank Gifford, who you did Monday Night Football with, I, I forgot about uh, uh, Frank. How you doing? How's Thanksgiving week in the Deardorff household? Oh, it's, uh, it's, one, it's my favorite uh, uh, week. I just, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those holidays. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it revolves around my obsession with food, but I just, <laughs> I, I just love Thanksgiving. It's a wonderful day. Hey, food, dude. football, 
How does it get any better than that? It does not. Dan, we were talking earlier about NFL and, and the, the, the level of play right now uh, between the quarterbacks and the offensive line. And I, I felt that it comes from the college game where they're not – the offensive line is not being coached the game the same way that it has been. What are your thoughts on offensive line play uh, in the NFL right now? Well, it, it, it's proving that uh, finding uh, quality offensive linemen is, is difficult. And it's, uh, it's a really hard position – to play, even uh, though it's now legal to hold the guy across from you, but it, it, which I would have, wow, I, 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 you know, I would have loved that. Uh, Conrad would still be playing, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's. Uh, you know, let's be realistic. The uh, the 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 athletes uh, that are over on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, no wonder it's difficult to keep these guys under control. I mean, that's we're seeing, uh, you know, that's the one thing if you really love the game of football. I mean, you gotta you got to admire the raw athleticism that's on display any given Sunday when you take a look at it. When, you, when you've whittled it down to the select few that get to play in the National Football League, it, uh, the athleticism is extraordinary. Hey, Dan, I need to introduce you. Kerry Davis, by the way, before he went to the NFL and won that Super Bowl championship with the Steelers, he's an Illinois guy, so you devastated him on yeah, Saturday. Yeah. Well, sorry about that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there just is a natural order to things, and, and that involves Michigan always beating Illinois. I, I hate that you are correct, but you are you are pretty. We, we had a time, but, yeah, it's it, few oh, and no, far between. I, I hate let me tell you something. I, you guys, uh, uh, you are headed in the right direction. I appreciate it. Is a fine football coach, and look at the progress he's made in just a couple of years. You guys, uh, we were lucky to get out of there uh, with a win, especially considering it. It was in Ann Arbor, so I, uh, if I was an Illinois football fan, I, you have a lot to feel good about, and you could still win the West. Yeah, man, man, we can. <laughs> There's that. I mean, who, who couldn't? That's true. That's true. And a chair that Dan Deardorff filled in the 80s when we were working together at KMOX, uh, he was the, the sports anchor at Channel 4. And now say hi to Brooke Grimsley, who has that job now, Dan. Hi, Brooke. How you doing? And uh, I'm sorry that your career has taken such a nosedive. <laughs> about your your radio obligation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I mean, working alongside Randy and Carrie has been great. They, they did tell me that you are a great personality. I've heard and listened to you before, and I'm getting all of it right now. So it's it's been fantastic. Dan, I, of course, I just wanted to ask you, obviously, a huge game this weekend. I know that you're going to be probably a little biased here, but just what are your thoughts going into this Michigan-Ohio State game? Well, it's it's if you play football at Michigan – it's uh, the reason you went to Michigan, and the same if you went to Ohio State. It's it's this game um, uh, has such an importance that you know all the other games are nice, but this is the only one that really matters. Uh, if Michigan was winless, they would still have a successful season if they were able to beat Ohio State, and I think that that's on the other side as well. The factor in that they're both eleven and zero. Uh, a, a rematch again. It's uh, 
you know, hey, it's we're the underdog. We'd be very, you know, we're I've seen anywhere from nine to ten point underdogs, and I think that's justifiable. Uh, winning in Columbus is a really, really hard thing to do. Hey, Dan, what are your thoughts on the – we talked about the East and West divisions. What are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like that that uh, college football, specifically Big Ten and SEC, should go away from the, the divisions and just have, you know, the top two teams playing in the, in the Big Ten championship game or the conference championship game? Well, I, I, you know, certainly it, it, when you look at it, I mean, it's the system that we have, and so you learn to live with it. But the, the Big Ten has a problem uh, in that, you know, they have a championship game and the team from the West has never won it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, again, take last year. Uh, we go to the Big Ten championship game and we beat Iowa 45-3. to uh, uh, Were we playing the second-best team in the Big Ten? No, of course not. Ohio State was sitting at home. It's going to be the same thing this year. Uh, the winner of the game will go play a team from the West and the second best team in the Big Ten won't be going anywhere. And so, uh, as I understand it, I think the divisions are going away uh, when USC and UCLA come into the Big Ten in 2024. I think next year is the last uh, time that we'll see East versus West in the, in the championship game. Dan, yeah, just kind of piggybacking off that, what are your thoughts on the college football playoff and its expansion with the 12-team bracket by, I think, 2026? I am not a fan. Really? I, I, well, it, you know, is college – I guess I'm going to answer my own rhetorical question, but <laughs> is college football just becoming NFL light? Because what, what are we talking about now? Uh, some of these kids – are going to have to play 15 and 16 games. Uh, that When I was in college, we played 10 games. Now they might be playing 16, maybe 17, if you get into a three-team, a three-game playoff to, to win a championship. At what point uh, do you just discard the student-athlete moniker and, and just say, this is professional football light? Dan... I look at that transfer portal, though, and we're getting into the weeds here, and that's free agency. I mean, kids aren't going to to colleges for college anymore, right? College football players generally, and Michigan's a different place because it's a great institution. But when you look at the majority of the schools, I would think kids are going to to colleges for football more than school. Well, it's, it, it's certainly the if you're a, if you're a, a, a kid that's capable of playing at that level and at a major, you know, division one school, Ohio state, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama. Yeah, certainly you're foot, you're making a football decision because your long range plans in include going to the national football league. And so certainly a football is the predominant uh, factor in a lot of these kids decisions. The, the, the transfer portal, uh, the NIL money, uh, I, I just think, is going to be the demise of uh, lower-tier programs. And because it's – I know they say it's not pay-for-play, uh, uh, but it's pay-for-play. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, all right, let's just take a classic uh, case here. Uh, I don't know – I don't know the financial – I don't know how well Luther Burden is doing at Mizzou, but – 
uh, is he going to get some, uh, you know, I don't, there are going to be prospects out there for him, a guy like him to maybe go to Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State and, and cash in on, on maybe opportunities that aren't in Columbia, Missouri. And if that, how sad would that be if, uh, you know, let, let's just take years ago. Would Ben Roethlisberger have finished his career at Miami of Ohio? No, or, no chance. No. Well, yeah, and and so what's going to happen to, you know, I, how sorry are you going to feel for these these junior programs, so to speak, that really identify a, a, a great talent, and you got to say what chance do they have of keeping the kid? Right. By the way. You, you mentioned the NIL money. I thought it was so cool yesterday. I saw on Twitter that Blake Corum, your running back, spent his NIL money to deliver turkeys to underprivileged families in the area. That's just so cool. And apparently he's going to be good to go on Saturday. Yeah, and, and Blake's been doing that. I think this is the third year in a row that he's done that. He, he did it before he had NIL money. Uh, he is a great kid. Uh, you know, it, He's a, a wonderful football story, being that short and and that productive. And yeah, I'd be. It's a as I understand it, it's a knee bruise. Uh, Jim Harbaugh said yesterday that his knee is structurally fine. And yes, I, I, I we had a lot of guys that didn't play against Illinois that I think will be on the field uh, in, in Columbus and. Thank God, because we're going to need every one of them. No doubt. Hand to hand of God. <laughs> that always helps, yeah. Okay, two more recollections from you. Number one, we had Costas on last week, and I didn't have time. We, I, I had Bob on because we wanted him to tell Spears of St. Louis stories, and it was fabulous. And I was telling Carrie after he was on about the Woofies story. And since I have you here, can you tell us the Woofies story? Well, uh, Bob and I were, uh, were, were, you know, in the sports department together, Camo X, and and then Bob started doing uh, uh, a major league baseball game for NBC uh, on Saturday. And so he would travel Friday morning and he would always go to the stadium uh, uh, and watch a Friday night baseball game. And, and so we started doing this thing that we called the Friday Frank forecast. And Bob would rate the hot dog or sausage sold in whatever stadium he was there for Saturday's game, and, and we do it live on the air on Friday. Well, one weekend he wasn't traveling, and so we were going to do a homegrown Friday Frank forecast. And I had this was I had one of the first car phones in St. Louis, so the old thing that sat in your trunk, you know, and and, and it, it was a big son of a gun. But Bob left early, went to Woofie's, uh, and went to the drive-in window. And live on KMOX, I went through the drive-in order and and placed my order, and Costas filled it uh, while we were on the air. That Bob Highland allowed us to do shenanigans like that, I I'm still amazed by it. I'm, I'm it was. We had a we had some good times, no doubt about it. And another guy that you had great times with, and you spent every Thanksgiving with, was Jim Hannafin. And uh, I know that uh, well. We both uh, adored Hanny, and he was a huge part of your life. But do you have a story that you can tell on the air about Hanny coming over to your house for Thanksgiving? Oh Lord! Uh, well, yes, they did it forever. 
uh, Jim and Mariana and, you know, their kids. Uh, it just, it went all the way back to, uh, it went all the way back to the early eighties. And, and uh, I, I know that every Thanksgiving ended up with Mariana, uh, uh, prone on our couch, sound asleep. She would, <laughs> she would eat herself into a coma and, and, and Jim, it would always end up with Jim holding court at the dining room table. Uh, our kids, our friends, uh, as you know, uh, being there, uh, uh, it, 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 it was like sitting at the feet of Aristotle or Socrates or what. People were mesmerized listening to Jim tell stories that I had heard probably 20 times already. And, and, but it didn't matter. Uh, th- th- he was uncle Jim. Uh, he was a grandfather to my kids. Uh, and, uh, I miss him desperately. Uh, we were Randy, as you well know, anyone chance to be in his orbit was really thankful that they had that opportunity. Hey, some of my most unforgettable times in life, literally, are being around Dan Deardorff and Jim Hannafin. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time, talking a little Michigan and Ohio State, and always good to talk to you on Thanksgiving week. Have a great time. Tell Debbie we said hi. Yeah, thank you. Same to all of you. And, Brooke, I really didn't mean that about your career. uh, (laughs) I'm going to take that down in my notes. But you you definitely (laughs) meant that about Illinois, I'm sure. Uh, Yeah, well, well, I really did mean it about Illinois. Double D, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. See you later. The great Dan Deardorff on 101 ESPN. So one time in the 80s, Jim Hannafin wasn't the coach of the Cardinals anymore, and he was an assistant coach in the NFL. And Dan Deardorff, prior to going to ABC for Monday Night Football, was somewhat of an entrepreneur here in town. He had he and Jim Hart wound up having seven restaurants. And Dan started a little company, and I was kind of his assistant. And part of the company was he bought a couple of limousines. It was Celebrity Limousine. Oh. And one summer night, Hanny comes into town. I think it was with the Falcons at the time, maybe. And Dan and Jim decide that they're going to go out for a few drinks, and Randy's going to be their designated driver (laughs) with a limousine from Celebrity Limousine. And anybody that's been along that corridor of 94 that knows where Jim Hannafin's haunts were, all the way out to Lake St. Louis, where he lived when he was an assistant coach, I wound up driving those two to probably a dozen bars or more (laughs) out in St. Charles County one summer night, and... My wife was furious. I was out till five in the morning with those guys. <laughs> and they had the best time and they provided me the best time. And I heard so many great stories. And it's one of those nights that you just never forget. That's awesome. That was, is amazing. Was it just like a like big it, it limousine? Was a limousine? What was it like yeah. driving that? Yeah. It, it wasn't hard for me. It was, oh, okay. Uh, I was sober. <laughs> but, uh, those two had such a great time together. And uh, when Dan says he misses Jim desperately, yeah. I mean, that was one of his best, if not his best friend in life. And uh, Hanny, Dan's right about that too, that you could hear a story for the 20th time and you'd never be tired yeah. of it. Yeah. Hanny was awesome. Coming up next, it's Rock and Roll on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. 
Brooke, Carrie, Randy, and Matthew with some rock and roll for us. What do you got, sir? Well, the world... My, my, my microphone will help. The World Cup started yesterday. We have our first main day of matches today. And the first big... Uh, issue with the World Cup is that the players were all going to wear different armbands throughout the different rounds. And the first round armband was going to be One Love, and it was going to have a, a rainbow street heart on the, on the armband for the captains. Well, FIFA came out and said yesterday, right before the tournament starts, actually, if you wear that armband as a captain, we will give your captain a yellow card right when the game kicks off. And so all the teams did exactly what you think they did. They said, listen, this is a tournament. This is about winning games. We have to win games and we can't start off on the wrong foot. So all seven countries in the World Cup that were going to wear at least the one love armband completely capitulated within the first 24 hours and said, you know what? You're right. Sorry. We will not wear that armband. Now they're all going to wear a no discrimination armband that was going to be worn for the quarterfinals, which will now be worn for pretty much, I believe, the whole tournament. The one thing I did like here, BBC reporter Alex Scott was on the sidelines in Qatar, and she took Harry Kane's armband that he did not wear, and she wore it on the sidelines in Qatar, one of the reporters. So... I'm a little disappointed that none of the captains are actually going to stand up and take the yellow card for actually making a, 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 a stance here. I'm impressed, though, that the reporter did it on the sideline because while she doesn't have any punitive things like a yellow card coming after her, she is a female in Qatar who just put on a rainbow heart uh, in defiance of FIFA's rules and regulations for the tournament, which I appreciate and I, I love that stand. Well, I think I, for safety reasons, I can understand why maybe the players aren't taking a stand because... One, you are there in their country, in their space. So, I mean, for safety reasons, I can understand why. I saw somebody, not to make a joke of any of this, but I did see somebody make a joke on Twitter about, like, well, what do they do, like, when water reflect, like, when the sun reflects off water? Because it makes a rainbow. Like, do they just, like, what do they, they get rid of it? Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> rainbow, I feel like, is something that means a lot of different things, you know? Um, I For safety reasons, I'd be careful if I was her. I don't know if I would take that. Yeah. direct of a stance there. I respect her for doing that. And I'll, I'll say this right now. If any of these captains actually do this, I'll buy one of their jerseys tomorrow. Any of the captains actually walk out there with this one love thing and take the yellow card, I'll buy their jersey tomorrow. I, I, like it, act, Do something. Listen, there's, they're saying, well, this is the sport. This is what we care about. We have to win games. Or, you know, you could take the fact that you make seven, you, a couple of you guys make $245,000 a week. And I don't know, maybe stand up for migrant workers who have been, you know, Put through slave labor for over the last ten. Well, years. they probably don't want to disappear either. So that's, there's that. That has so, happened. So maybe they shouldn't be playing there. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's maybe option. maybe a stand in front of FIFA. Maybe, what it, maybe. Like six years ago might have been a better move. <laughs> maybe not capitulating immediately as soon as they said, "By the way, we're going to slap you on the wrist if you do this," and then immediately saying, "That's too much of a slick punishment. We better back off. Back off on this one." I wonder if when they come here in four years. If FIFA will be told, hey, this is the way things are going to be. Hmm. This is America. This is America. We do things different here yeah. in America. I certainly, yeah. I, I certainly hope not that way. <laughs> but good for well, Alex Scott. I, I, love, I love that she did that. I, I'm, I'm on totally on board with the, the phrasing, the term, one love. I'm, you know, if if people don't like love in the world, that's their problem. It, it really is, and and you know, we live in a society where. 
people dislike each other for a multitude of reasons that, that you know, you just wake up and dislike someone. I, I think that that's strange. I think you're mm-hmm. strange, sir, ma'am. Yeah. If you just wake up in the morning and someone looks a different, is a different color or a different shape, different size, different gender, and you just don't like them, you're a weirdo. Yeah. I'm not afraid to tell you that. You should get better. Do better. <laughs> Be better, sir, ma'am. You're a weirdo. I'm talking to you. Yeah. Just so you know. Thank you, CD. <laughs> hey, thank you, CD. <laughs> Uh, coming up next, we've got the. Uh, is Danny Matt going to join us? Dan McLaughlin, <laughs> voice of the Cardinals, Surprise. on this Thanksgiving week. Danny's Danny's got a great Thanksgiving story for you coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the Monday of Thanksgiving week with Brooke Grimsley and Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Dan McLaughlin, pre- and post-game host on Bally Sports for your St. Louis Blues and the voice of your St. Louis Cardinals as well, joins us now. Good morning, Daniel. How you doing? Well, you got a trio in studio, and I'm just a fill-in on the Blues, but I'm happy to be back <laughs> with the Blues. Takes me back to my roots, and happy Thanksgiving weekend or whatever we are week and all that good stuff to you guys. Damn, one of the things that takes us back to our roots is chocolate pie on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Randy, I was, uh, it was a privilege to be your producer, and for people that don't know, uh, we go back a long, long ways, don't we? And... Um, so I was lucky enough to be your producer, which was an honor and a privilege. And it's one of my great uh, accomplishments in my career to say that I got to, to be your producer. And I loved it. I learned so much from you. But one of the great things I think I did take away was not what I learned in media from you is, hey, Thanksgiving night, baby. We, we downed some pies. That's what I really learned from you. <laughs> we had some fun. It was great. Every break, man, we're just chowing down. And we, that's why I bring in a couple, one for Dan, one for Randy. And, yeah, we, we took care of some chocolate pie back in the day. <laughs> well, Thanksgiving, so back in the day, for people that didn't know, you know, I was working at KMOX. You're working at KMOX. I'm the, I, I would get there probably about 10 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And I was the engineer for the – the football games mm-hmm. all day, and then you would come in and host Sports Open Line, and um, and you would bring in, you know, leftovers for me, and, and I'd be there till like 10 o'clock at night. You would be too, and that would be our Thanksgiving together. Yep. So <laughs> you and I had a, a special bond on Thanksgiving. Absolutely. That was our Thanksgiving. I feel like you guys need to do that at least once, just a little Thanksgiving together again. Uh, Brooke, I'm good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you, had enough, you had enough on that. Well, Danny, <laughs> Danny, I wanted to ask you, as you mentioned there, you're getting back to your roots. I looked up on TV and I was like, oh, my gosh, there's there's Danny Mack on the Blues game. It was great listening to you. What is it like just going back to the Blues game, hosting that? And how different is the preparation, obviously, compared to doing the Cardinals? Is it just a little bit more relaxed for you or what is the feelings like? Oh, I, I love it. I mean, this is what I, I first started doing back when I was like 22 years old. I, I was doing this on radio. I, I actually started doing this and went to the, the, the folks at KMOX doing, um, I think Randy can attest to this. Remember, Randy, I, I went to them and said, I, I think we ought to stop doing the news during the intermissions and let me do the, the, the intermission. Exactly right. <laughs> and, and I was 
22 years old, I guess, at the time. And I said, I, I can get you some, you know, uh, interviews and do some highlights. And used to get highlights over the, we had the red phone there. And yep. I, I said, you know, I, I'd call these radio stations and get highlights and stuff and dig around and, and talk to these broadcasters and get all these interviews and stuff. So for me, it's 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 fun. I, I've always loved the game of hockey. And Bernie Federko is one of my best friends in the world. He was in my wedding. So to have Bernie, you know, next to me, it's like an old friend. And so uh, I follow the Blues. I never stopped following them. And so I, I watch what's going on. Now, I'm not intimately involved like I was, like going to practice every day, obviously. But, um, Brooke, it's, it's great. I, I love doing it. It's, it's different to where when I was doing it before, I was literally the producer I was the the guy hosting it, and I was doing all the interviews. So I don't have to do all that stuff anymore. I just sit down, I tee up Bernie, and away we go. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy it. Hey, uh, Danny, I wasn't here last week when you all spoke. I think you spoke on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, but uh, what did you make of, of Goldsmith getting the MVP and Albert being a part of that? How, how, how cool was that for, for those two to share that moment? Well, first of all, I think it's great, and you know it's really cool to see Albert introduce Goldie as the MVP. And you heard, I think everybody talk about Goldie's preparation, and I actually did a little digging on this, and I was thinking, like I see it every day. Now, Brooke, you're asking about the the difference in watching the Blues and the Cardinals, and I'm down there every day with the Cardinals, and especially on the road when there's not as many local media, I'm there in the clubhouse and visiting with Ollie and in his office every single day. Um, and I do see Goldie go through every little nuance of trying to prepare. And I was thinking, like, well, what is the difference? So I went back and looked at what he does against starting pitching. He hit 371 this year against starters, 371. So he was hitting close to 400 against starting pitching this year. His OPS against starting pitching was like something like 12, like a, a 1,200 OPS. So his preparation, and that's what you heard these players talk about, was ridiculous against the opposition. And if you looked at the success that he had initially in games, it was amazing, like how well he hit against the starters. And it's not to say that he didn't have success against middle relief or, you know, closers, but his preparation just never wavers. And I thought that was really unique in in looking at how – he prepares for every single game, and he does not waver in that. And that's what makes him so special at the age of, what, 35 to, to get this MVP. I, I just I hope the Cardinals don't, you know, uh, look at this and say, well, we got two corner guys and they're great. Don't waste them. Go out and, you know, get the, get the guys around him and don't waste these years because you've got two cornerstone players that don't come along very often. Daniel, you're the best. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and we will talk soon. All right, we'll talk next uh, Monday. Don't eat too much, Randy. I know how you like to eat a little bit. You no, know I will. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, be careful. I'll, I'll stick it to, I'll, I'll stay one chocolate pie, Dan. Just one. Just one. I, I don't, is that one on one serving or one, oh, one no, day? Oh, no, that's or over the course got? of a day. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's fine. Okay, that's no big deal. <laughs> I, that, that, yeah, that's fine, Randy. I, I'm I'm proud of you. I appreciate you that. The one in one day. That's good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, that's what it'll be. See you later. Well, you and I were like pounding like five and a half in a sitting, so it's all good. Yeah, but we were younger. We had better metabolism then. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> See you later, Danny Mac with us on 101 ESPN. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio.
Pleasure. Brooke, this was fun. Let's do it again tomorrow. Yeah, that sounds good. CD? Indeed. Go Hawks. <laughs> I guess. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. T-Mac and Ajax coming up with a balloon party here on 101 ESPN. And for all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. When it comes to sports, you can't beat live. Vivid Seats has tickets to all of your favorite teams at great prices. And all with a 100% buyer guarantee. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app and use 10 sports for $10 off your first $100 purchase. Here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from Lecvio. Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, nine mediocre middle school recitals, one heart attack. And with Lecvio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription Lecvio in glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at Lecvio.com or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about Lecvio. That's L-E-Q-V-I-O. Lower, longer, Lecvio.